right, hopefully the stinger played the audio for you viewers. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. That stinger brought to you by the man, the myth, the legend himself. Chris, well done. Say hi. Hi. What's up? You're welcome. That stinger's dope, dude. Well, you kept on moaning that I'd made one for Mondays and I removed the, the date, so... <laughs> I so... did not moan about shit. You've constantly moaned. I've got proof it's in every episode. It is not, you lie. Lies. All lies. Right, well, I'll make a YouTube video just all the times you've moaned about the stinger being the wrong date. I'll make a good 20-minute video there. So what's up, buddy? How are you? Better than the last couple of weeks. <laughs> like, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get myself back out of that wee rut, so... Starting to get sorted. Yeah, starting to get sorted, starting to get my own shit together. Like, fucking showered the day. Wow. It was going fucking great. There we go. We're special today. You're I made an effort. <laughs> I, I tried. <laughs> Sometimes that's all that matters. Yeah, man. Well, that's, that's it. Welcome to episode 13 of this shit show. God damn. Yeah. Now we're now we're officially a baker's dozen. Last week we were a dozen. Now we're a baker's dozen. Holy fuck! Yeah, we're we actually starting to. Um, I think it's because I literally delete everything you say on the podcast when I upload it to Spotify and stuff. So I think that's what's keeping us steady. <laughs> I knew there was something going on. I listened to last week's and I'm like, why are you talking? I knew I said something. I know. As far as Spotify and Apple are not concerned, it's just a one-man podcast where I just sound as if I'm talking to myself. You just react to shit I say, and everyone's like, is this, does this man hearing voices? What the fuck? Mm, that's it. It's just the voice in my head. That's that's, that's that drunk little voice. What does that say about you if the voice in your head is a fucking American from the Midwest? Uh, no, I'm not really that intelligent. Oh, hey, fuck off. <laughs> Right there, right there, homie. Right there. Oh, it's good to see you back in better spirits, buddy. You know, last week you were struggling. Yeah, no, it's just been like I've, I've literally just been off work. I've literally went fuck you work, <laughs> and I've literally I've been playing Banished. I've been playing City Skylines. I've mm -hmm. just been, just been chilling. I've been watching like I've. That this tells you how my week's been. I've been watched Critical Role, and I'm on, like, episode 89 of uh, Campaign 2. I've just been fucking battering right through everything. Because, because I've just stopped giving a fuck. <laughs> everything else is just put on the shelf. I just sit in my room, I drink, I eat, and I watch telly. <laughs> fuck it, I'm going home. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how it's been. So uh, you get phone calls after other people, and like literally, I have not had my phone off silent for the last week and a half. Just see some day messages, see when I'm good and ready, and I look at my phone. That's when you'll get a reply. Other than that, I took a nap today. You inconsiderate bastard! I've I've just been going. Do you know what? It's all about me. <laughs> Must be nice, but <laughs> it is, it's really good. <laughs> to be fair, sometimes you gotta fucking do that. Oh, definitely. Like you need to have your thing. Like this is one thing that I keep on like talking about. Is I've been in relationships where we've done everything together. I've been in 
kind of friendships where it's been constant gone and then I've been in work situations where it's been constant gone. So uh, you need to have your end time. It's no it's no bad selfish. You need to be selfish in a lot of things and one thing is happiness. Like you're in control of your own happiness. Don't put that shit on somebody else because it's no their problem. So you take care of yourself. If you want to take time off, you take fucking time off. At the end of the day you're just a number to most people, so Right. Don't push yourself. Don't de- overwork. Don't do de- stuff that you don't want today. You just fucking do de- what you want. You use your vacation time, like, because that's what it's there for. Enjoy yourself. Be happy. Yeah, didn't Will Smith make a comment about that? He said, uh, "It's not my job to to um, make you happy. It's our job to be happy together, or something like that." Yeah, I think so. I've, I've, there's a lot of people that have made that sort of correlation is mm. that at the end of the day putting your happiness on somebody else is selfish yeah like it's not their problem it's like it, it can go the other way it's like if i turn around to you and go it really upsets me when i see you upset that's like such a shitty thing to put on you because it's then you have that or if i show him that i'm upset it's going to upset him right i'd rather you go if you're upset come to me we'll yeah. sort it later. like like, that's how you deal with that. You don't put your happiness onto somebody else or make it their burden because you've got your own problems. Uh, so everybody else's problems shouldn't then be put onto you. Agreed. But you take care of yourself. You take care of your happiness because if you make yourself happy, everybody else has time to make themselves happy themselves and they'll have to deal with you. Yeah, so, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough lesson for a lot of people to learn, though, is like, your happiness is your responsibility, not your partner's. Because that's just, it's dumb for the start. Yeah. It, that's, a, that's a rough one for some people because they don't, they grew up expecting, like, they grew up in an environment where, like, they Fuck see the, the mom catered to or the dad catered to, and they they expect that's what a relationship is. And a lot of times they're not taught that their their happiness is their responsibility. Like, with me, <clears throat> me and Bernadette, like, Sometimes, like, I'll get bored or I'll get sort of despondent and I'll just kind of, like, wander around and lay at Bernadette's feet like the dog and I'll be like, I'm bored. And she'll be like, go do something. I'm like, but I don't want to. And she'll be like, it's not my job. I'm like, damn. Then I'll go skulk off. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying that people shouldn't do things together. Yeah. Like, it's it's, it's like a, a, a complicated kind of situation of that somebody else shouldn't be responsible for your happiness, but you should show enough open-mindedness to be able to like do things that could help your partner have enjoyment. Like, it might not be your thing, but get a go, be open-minded, try it, because you might end up enjoying it yourself, but if you try it and you don't like it, then you have the control of going, look, I really don't like that. Because, like, me personally, if I take something, like, I have an eclectic fucking things that I enjoy doing. Uh, so, like, if I was to take somebody fucking bike racing because I enjoy it, and they're like, ah, look, I really don't like it, I'm cool with going, right, no, that's cool, that can just be my thing. I'll right. go and do that myself. You go and have your time, and then we'll come back and we can talk about how fucking great and we've been feeling because we've been doing our own thing. Yeah, like, I said, I enjoy things like that. So, uh, it's, 
Like it's it's nice to share in those. Mm-hmm. Like if you find somebody that you can share in the things that you enjoy, then ace. But at the same time, you don't want to put too much pressure on it and too much focus that that's what it has to be because everybody's unique. Everybody's got their own enjoyments and hates. That... Yeah. Last night, last night I did something I normally wouldn't do. What I wouldn't do, like I wrapped up streaming, and you know it was like two o'clock in the morning. And I came upstairs and I'm like, oh, okay. And B was still awake and she was watching a movie. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, cool. I'll, I don't like that movie, but I'll, I'll lay down next to you because I want to be next to you. And then I lay down and I just, I, like, after five minutes, I'm like, this, I, I can't do this. I don't, I don't like, I'm going I'm to fall asleep and I don't want to, you know, ruin your movie because I'm going to talk shit about it. So. I just, I went upstairs, I'm like, whenever your movie's over, come up to bed and we can hang out or whatever, and normally, like, years ago, I wouldn't have done that, I would have just laid there miserable. Yeah. It's not a bad movie, it was like Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken or some shit, some movie from the 90s, I'm like, nah, it's not my bag, but a couple years ago, I would have laid there and been annoyed and bored and watched it because, you know, it's what she wanted, but last night I was like, I'm not feeling it, I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> and I went upstairs yeah. and I watched YouTube for like an hour and a half and then she came to bed and I was like oh okay cool so we talked for a few minutes and then we went to sleep and I was like I kind of felt guilty because I'm like I should have went down there and watched the movie but then on the other hand I'm like I got the bed to myself <laughs> oh yeah exactly like like again you have to have like get in time like in that instance if B's been working on three jobs and then mm-hmm. dealing with the kids and, and the housework and stuff like that like she deserves her own time as well. So if no a lot of people can look at it and go, do you know what? If I go and sit there, or oh, I'm going to do sit and talk shit, or I'm going to do mm-hmm. this, I'm going to do that, and it's going to ruin for yeah. them. So I'll just take myself out the equation. I, in some cases, you're like, oh, it's the only time we could have got together. Yeah. But at the same time, if the only time that you've got to kind of just chill. Why would you spend that very limited time being miserable? Yeah. That was kind of my so, thought process last night. I was like, I'm just going to I'm gonna go upstairs and just chillax and watch stupid YouTube videos and meme review and shit like that. I was like, ah. I ended up falling asleep. I, I knew I was going to fall asleep if I laid on the couch watching a movie I had no interest in. And I'd have yeah. just been snoring through the movie. And she'd have just been staring at me like, why the fuck am I with you again? <laughs> so yeah i get it i i agree with what you're saying 100 percent. um but anyway what was that uh what was i gonna say i was gonna say something oh what are you drinking um, like last week we forgot to say what we were drinking i think no no we definitely we? Yeah. okay i wasn't sure because yeah, what was that i drink the peanut butter and jelly one no no, that was a couple of weeks ago. I can't quite remember, but we definitely because it was it was on the docket and it's in the episode. But uh, I am drinking a London Beer Factory beer. It's called Sewer Solstice. It's a blood orange and cranberry sewer. Nice. And it's one of the ones. It says on it that uh, the classic Berliner Visa uh, coincides with two solar phenomena and seasons: tart cranberry. And with aromas of blood orange, and my fucking god, is it tart! Like I tried it just before stream because I like to at least have some form of reviewability, mm. and I think my face was like a black hole where everything just got fucking sucked in, 
in itself because it has definitely got that sewer sharp sort of bang right <laughs> hits every fucking part of your tongue but it's one of the most refreshing beers that I've had yeah. like it just seems to fucking cleanse everything up and it's so fucking good and it's definitely it's no one that I know like, like, I made shit about you when we were just talking before we actually went live about how you don't get fruity beers in the UK because we can drink and handle actual beer. <laughs> right. Um, so it, it's, it's been a while since I actually found one and I seen it and I thought, you know what, let, let, let's go down the dock strip and go with a fruity one. And it, it's, it's nice. Like, I don't Not know every I beer drink I drink is fruity. Fuck off. Like, what ones have you know had that's fruity that you've enjoyed? Matilda... Um, I had the Matilda. I had the Outboard. <laughs> I'll reiterate, what ones that weren't fruity did you enjoy? <laughs> the, I had the Goose Island Matilda. That was really good. I had the, um, the Kentucky Cream Vanilla Barrel Ale, uh, the Vanilla Ale. That one was vanilla? really good. Yeah. And Vanilla's yeah. not a fruit fucker! I know. Come on, you fuck <laughs> And then, and then I had, um, <laughs> and then I had um, the the bells bright white that was really good. That's Is that not the a... cream soda like one? No, it was a it was an Indian ale. All oh, right, the one that you didn't really enjoy because you don't really like Indian ale. <laughs> then I had uh, the Vikings blood. That's not fruity. That's mead, which is made from fermented what? Hops, hibiscus, and honey, goddammit. Honey? Which yeah. comes from flowers, which is technically a fruit. You know what? Fuck off. I've had plenty <laughs> of beers that aren't fruit, goddammit. Right, so what's your top three drinks that you've had? You've had the meat that's like your number one. Viking's say, Blood. Which, Viking's Blood is, which is number is fruity. one. You had your raspberry beer. Hey, never, don't, don't hate. The pomegranate beer was good, too. I had the hard root beer, right? Yeah. So my top three of everything we've drank so far has got to be the Vikings Blood. Delicious. What? Fruity and delicious. It's, it's, it's the Vikings Blood. It's the fucking uh, vanilla Kentucky vanilla barrel aged cream ale and that fucking Goose Island Matilda I had last week. I just want to reiterate that before we went live, you were giving me shit for ordering ice cream and wanting to watch a sad movie. <laughs> Yet you're the, the manly man that can't handle beer. I'm drinking beer now! Shut up! <laughs> he said it! I'm drinking the Fox River Valley Blueberry yeah. Ale. Blueberry... <laughs> Oh, you're an ass. Before we derail too much, it is actually enjoyable. I I, I don't think I could drink it like a six-pack in one night. Right. It's definitely one of the ones that it's almost similar to a cider. It's got that tart bitterness of a, like a dry cider. Right. Um. So it's one of the ones, it's a kind of night starter. You'd have one or two at the beginning of your night, and then you'd start hitting into your beers, then you'd start hitting your hard stuff, then you start drinking anything that's got alcohol in it yeah it's 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 definitely it's, it's a night starter i would say that's that's how i'd go with that one 
Yeah. As always, the lawyers in the corner are giving me the evil eye. If you are listening to the show or watching the show live or watching the show on VOD and you are joining us for a drink, please make sure you are of legal drinking age for your region or area and make sure you please drink responsibly. Do not text and drive. Do not drink and drive. That's the legalese. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. But and by legal drinking age, we mean the government issued legal drinking age yeah. not the drinking age that you deem responsible as in like in Scotland you start drinking at 12 that is not legal drinking age even though it's normal 12? shit I got cousins that started drinking when they were 8 I but, but you don't say that yeah because my cousins no, are fucking... you don't say that on stream you say 12 because at least 12 you've started high school and it's at least like you're not over here it's not over like, here you're still in middle school we hit high school when you're like 12 13 <laughs> and then you just like you say that dude, when you start I grew, dude you i will start drinking at five when you get your first dumpy you're a fucking tip in the I, I grew up in the north <laughs> i grew up in fucking upper michigan trust me Dude, you're lucky the formula ain't spiked with bourbon. Upper Michigan, we've got a badass out here. <laughs> no, uh-uh. I, I love Upper Michigan, but I hated living up there, man. There's nothing there. There's three things to do in Upper Michigan, and y'all are going to cringe. One, you drink. Two, you hunt. Three, you fuck. Not necessarily in that order. That's it. <laughs> That's all you do in Upper Michigan. Make you occasionally fish and maybe ride an ATV, but that's it. <laughs> All my cousins are like, "Fuck you, docs." <laughs> Y'all know it's true. I mean, Fuck off. That's 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 that. I mean, we don't tend to hunt animals up here. There's there's other activities. It's the third activity that we tend to do. <laughs> exactly. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Poor sheep. Like, if they didn't enjoy it, they wouldn't come around. Exactly. 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 Ah, <laughs> uh, so. We know what you did all week, Mr. I'm just going to play video games and watch telly. Yeah, Order well, myself a milkshake. And what have you been drinking? What, what, have, I, what, what have I done? I went yeah. to work. I went to stream. I did the dad shit. I did the dog dad shit. I did the boyfriend shit. I packed the house shit. I've been working, son. What you been doing? You, you on holiday over there. You on holiday over there. Exactly. I'm taking a fucking break before I go on a murderous rampage. <laughs> Here lies Chrissy C90. His kilt <laughs> got in a bunch and he murdered a bunch. Yeah, it was close. I thought about it. <laughs> You're like, right. My mate, I've already told him that I've got 74 ways that I was going to kill him. Nice. Only 74? 12 of them included me using a bottle. <laughs> A bottle where the sun don't shine, maybe. That was only two of them. Oh, only two? I'm disappointed yeah. in you. No, there's other ones. There's other orifices. <laughs> well, then, we know where There's other places that bottle can go, and one in particular would be a stretch. <laughs> Dude, speaking of that one, I heard of a torture method, and see, this is what happens in the opening round. We just tangentialize everything. So, there was a torture method. I heard about for that one, right? You take a very thin glass rod. You then whoopity do into whoopity do, and then you smash it with a hammer. 
Why? Because it's a torture method. Because then when they when they pee, just use the hammer with the glass part. Like that's the torture. (laughs) Because once you break the glass and they go pee, (laughs) you find out what I mean. Why don't you smash anything there with a hammer? But peeing's going to be difficult anyway. You don't need glass in there, I know. That's just that's overkill. <laughs> I know. That's, that's like a character having ten fucking health points left, and you going, "I'm going to use this thing that kills you with 50. You like, ulti him. That is. You drop the ulti on him when he's only got ten mm-hmm. points, and you get I know, like a fucking middle finger flick to the fucking tip. It's torture enough. <laughs> yeah, right. Fucking hell! Oh, that's fucking hell, man. That's nuts. Oh right, well, apart, apart from learning weird sexual things that you enjoy, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> I don't enjoy We haven't even talked about the shit I enjoy yet. Trust me. It's a weird <laughs> basket that no one wants to hear about. I am drinking <laughs> the fucking Fox Valley River Blue Bobber Ale I drank a couple weeks ago because it's all I had and I didn't get a chance to go to the store. Well, and it's good, goddammit! <laughs> Shut up! To be honest, like I've, I actually had to go to the store and just buy this one can because I thought I've not got any beer left. I need to go and get a drink, and I was supposed to send you the websites. So we'll, well do that for next week. I got, I, I had two left, so I'm like, oh, I got, I got an episode of, I got this podcast, and then when I go shopping on Friday, because I get paid on Friday, I got to go to the grocery store. I'll just take a bunch at the store because it'll be, it'll be me and whatnot. Um. So yeah, but I had like two beers left and I, I forgot they were the same thing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, no, I think that's it. Um Good shit though. It's like, it's uh, I, I meant to message you and say, right, here's my things. Get let tell me what you fancy, but it just just didn't work for me. And because I was too busy being lazy. Yeah, I was I was swamped this week, man. We had Work was nuts, and then uh, just everything with the getting ready for the move and everything was just kind of crazy. So I was running behind, no. like, this week. I was running behind, and then this week I'm hoping, like, <sighs> all right. Uh, I, it's, let's just say we had some drama that I had to deal with this week, and I'll get into it in the ramble, not in great detail or whatnot, but that kind of took up a lot of my mental... Uh, my mental capacity to adult. So yeah. um, I'm hoping to like kind of get back on the ball. What, what kind of sucks is I have a trainer at work this week, so I can't like slack off. <laughs> you actually have to day work. I gotta actually be responsible. God forbid you have to actually day something during your day. Yes, we drink whiskey, Bilbo. I bless like whiskey. It's like, the, the thing, right? The, the I do, I do. If I, I don't have like, any at the house, but I do if I go out for a drink. Like that, that's basically all whiskey up there, <laughs> except for the Slavovice in the back. Oh, the, the no, the Slavovice is right at the front, and I've got my liquor forty three, and then I've got like my schnapps and yeah. vodka. Actually, the vodka's sitting here waiting for my fucking slush puppy. <laughs> Jura is nice. I've, I like Jura. I like the uh, Viking edition of Jura, and I like the 18-year-old Jura. 21-year-old Jura's alright, but it's not as good as the uh, 12-year-old. I haven't tried it yet. No? No. Jura's nice. Again, If like I'm still going to send you a bottle of uh, 
I can't even remember the name slipped my mind, but it's the one Stag that's Breath. more to me. No, I'll send you. I have to send you that. That's Mera liqueur. That's mm-hmm. a honey liqueur as opposed to right. a, a whiskey. But um, there's a whiskey distillery just up the road, kind of like twenty minutes away, mm-hmm. uh, and they are twenty one year old. It's like Christmas in a bottle. Like <laughs> nice. it's got spices and it's just, it's it's just it's such a smooth fucking whiskey. That's trouble. It's just, it's just perfect. That's trouble in a bottle right there. Oof. It is. It is like it's 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 one of the best twenty one year olds you'll get. Plus legal. Oh yeah, right. Oh, speaking of something new, seeing as how you guys are uh, those of you that are listening along or watching with us, up in the corner over there above Chris is the website that is live. Drunktank hyphenated dot com, baby. You can get the podcast, you can stream the podcast from that website. You can reach mm-hmm. our Twitch and Twitters from that website. Like we're live. Chris has been crushing it on the business front, man. Dude, like I said, when we started this thing, man, you have taken the reins on the business side where I'm talent. And well, it's one of the ones, as you seen earlier, when I was, oh, Cal's just drove into my street with a music on. Um, as, as you had seen when I was trying to work and see if the stream would work the day. Mm-hmm. I am not in the position of streaming, so I might as well take the slack here I've written behind the scenes <laughs> and get the production up a bit. <laughs> but, right. No, I'm I'm happy with the, the the website. The website seems to like every day I go there and just go look what I have created. I know I stare at it too. Like everything just looks so perfect and beautiful. And slowly but surely we will start adding mm-hmm. the extra bits like like say like we've got like the streaming partner side yet. Where I'm hoping to be able to get a lot more, like I'm a lot I'm more features for create, it. Yeah, I want to create the community on it. Like I want to be able to, like we've got like the streaming partners. I I want to be able to make or create a like drunk drunk tank productions. I want to make a a system where that we can offer something to. The kind of the, the the lesser known streamers, the yep. small streamers, the ones that put in the work as well, that don't get the the kind of views that they should get. If I, I want to create a community where that can all be shared, that can be it's a platform that we can put forward for everybody. That's that's the kind of basis. It was the same on the YouTube. Um, Hell's Phoenix had commented on last week's episode with some really nice points. Um, yeah, I gotta check those. I haven't, I haven't popped by the video this week yet. Yeah, well, she was asking about how, if there's a chance that see when, see like last week you were talking about the tigers and that, mm-hmm. and we were like we, we were timing about having videos and that. Mm-hmm. She was saying if there's a possibility of being able to put them on screen, and show the video parts of things, which could technically be done. Yeah, and I'd say to her that it's it's something that we have kind of talked about is having that sort of news-esque sort of feel where we can show like the likes of like DMCA and that is where the issue lies. Yeah, and, that's the and, trick and with the, it. The, the copyright kind of thing. Um, but I mean as we've said before we do have a lot of kind of like high future plans of how mm. we want to kind of go down with this kind of this this side of stuff so right. um 
it's it's always nice. The bit that I just like is that there's the it's it's nice to see people out there that comment on things that it gives you that kind of show that people are actually interested in it, people are actually watching it, people are seeing it and going, well, what about this for an idea? It's nice having that sort of feedback. Yeah, it's nice It's nice to have that engagement. People are actually yeah. engaging with us on it. So, yeah, I, yeah, it's something that you and I have talked about, like maybe showing the video segments or, or chunks of the video segments. But, yeah, DMCA with, with Twitch and YouTube is kind of a shit show right now. So until that sort of, like, peters yeah. out or if we can like i know if once you get up higher in like the twitch hierarchy and the youtube hierarchy things tend to get easier but right now where we're at the dmca is really kind of like a sword that yeah. hangs over a lot of what we do and i think it's a great idea when you and i have discussed it before i even had an idea of doing like a a separate scene where you and i are camera stacked and on the other mm-hmm. side is the video that we're discussing sort of plays on mute Yeah, but yeah, it was something that you and I talked about a little bit ago. But I do like the engagement that we've gotten from it. Yeah, no, it has been quite, quite good. I mean, I mean, as I said, there's there's plenty of kind of ideas that we've had floating around that if we can eventually get to to time, like as we say, one of the things that I'd I'd eventually like this to become is similar to more of a talk show as opposed to the podcast kind of thing mm-hmm. where like, we have guests and we have like, we have our own stories to kind of put out. Like, yep. we can, like you never know five years time, we could have our own fucking TV production company where yeah. we've got talk shows and podcasts and streaming platforms and just game fucking hitting everything. Oh yeah. Exactly. 100%. Like you imagine us having a game show. Ooh. Like it's gotta have awesome. some sort of humiliation element to it. Yeah. Right, two wee seconds. I think that's my ice cream. <laughs> Look at you! You just did. You just did a little dance. <laughs> it's the ice cream and happiness dance. That's what that is. Right, give me two wee seconds. All right, seconds. go get I'm your gonna... go get your ice cream because that'll segue to our actual topic. Yeah, yeah all right, I'm going to just blank out my camera because I don't want to have. Look at this unprofessional shit! And, you know, I'm going to blank out my camera. What? Look how professional this is. Boom. <laughs> you're an ass I'll be, I'll be two seconds but yeah I'll vamp sure I'll vamp when you go get ice cream Chris that's fine <laughs> but on a serious note the website is live Um, we do have plans for it you can listen to the podcast right from the website if you don't want to do a Spotify Um, we do we are going to have featured videos from our streaming partners up there We've become our own little production company. We are drunk. We're going to be drunk tank productions. We're going to try and raise up other streamers and content creators once we get to a point where we where we can do that. We've got we've got a lot of plans. We got um, we were talking about community game nights amongst our streaming partners and like oh, so many things we got going on. But um, aside from uh, what we were talking about. There's a lot going on. Uh, Chris and I have been having conversations with doing like a series on YouTube together. We're talking about doing like a football manager league. Uh, Chris and I are talking about doing like a cooking, a cooking stream. We were going to do it this weekend, but I never, I got so busy. I couldn't send them an ingredients list. So we've got a lot of ideas for what we want to do with like 
Drunk Tank Productions for like a podcast and stuff. Look, he's back. Was it your ice cream? I hope. Look at your face. Was... <laughs> he's like, ooh. But I'm sitting here going, I think I ordered way too much. <laughs> because I've got my milkshake, my sundae, and my slush puppy that needs vodka in it. <laughs> that needs vodka. Oh, needs more vodka. Otherwise, it's not slushy from Mother Russia. Uh, well, funny enough, I've got Russian standard vodka. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I None knew, of the cheap shit. I once knew a Russian guy. He came over here. He was a Russian foreign exchange student for a buddy of mine. And I asked him, what's what's good vodka in the States? And he goes, Stoli. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, Stoli style. I'm like, what? There's no fucking way that Stoli's good vodka. He's like, yeah, it's fine. I was like, you got all these other vodkas? He goes, no, it's shit. Stoli's actually Russian. I was like, but is it good Russian vodka? He goes, it's Russian vodka. See, that's the thing that I've got with this is like, I've got Russian Standard, which is genuine Russian vodka. Nice. But, um. What's the horsepower? Uh, 38%. Yeah, that's not bad. So, what? Uh, 75 but, proof? Oh, fuck knows. <laughs> Like we don't have proof, we just have percentage. The way you, the, the way you figure out proof alcoholics. is the way you, the way you figure out proof is you basically double the percentage. Oh well. So if it was forty percent, so forty percent would be eighty proof. Oh, so my ginger wine's thirty proof then. Yeah. Interesting. But um, I no, I once dated a Russian girl. Um, well, she was half Russian. Her dad was Russian. Her mum was Scottish. So she was like, Ooh, she was really rust- interesting. She was, she was rustish. Rusty. Um, but her dad, like, honestly, all I got was fucking mafia vibes off this guy. <laughs> it was like the stereotypical sort of short, fat business suit, trash sort of suit. Russian guy. Like, no, it wasn't a trash suit. It was like proper, like oh. brown suit. He always wore a brown suit. It was like I thought he was cool. Like, but at the same time, sorry, I dropped my straw. He was, it was definitely terrifying. And I'd went out to her house a couple of times, like with just her, and then we went. To, I went to meet the family, uh-huh. and like, my mum was really nice, but he was just like terrifying. See that kind of way, like after you met him, I just always felt as if I was being watched, <laughs> like. Right. See that kind of way, like you just feel as if there's some Russian guy just constantly following me in my everyday life now. But um, he had this. This was the coolest. Thing. I don't know if I've said this story on on the podcast, but mm. in his house, he had like it was a really nice house, which mm. made you think he's been fucking selling something. But <laughs> right. uh, well, you went into the kitchen, and in the middle of the kitchen was this big like circle, uh-huh. maybe. A meter and a half diameter kind of thing. And he pressed a button and it literally rose up and it was a spiral staircase. And you went down the spiral staircase and it was like, it was basically like a 40 square meter chiller. And he had all these bottles of wine, he had all these bottles of vodka, all these different alcohol and all that. And we shared a, a, a vodka where they just drank vodka straight with ice, like a day with whiskey. But I don't know what this vodka was laced with, but I had one and was steaming. Like, 
I was I was gone. With the fucking vodka was rocket fuel. So it's probably like, giving you rocket fuel. Probably right. Let's hope I don't spill this vodka. The thing with vodka is it melts the ice. Oh fuck, that's far too much vodka. (laughs) Well, it's no longer a slushy. I mean, it is still a slushy, but it's it's like a vodka top because it's no mixing. (laughs) It's gonna filter down. Yeah, which I don't like because you start drinking for the the bottom. And it's no hit there yet, so you just get all that, and then right at the end, it's just pure vodka you get hit with, and it's like, <laughs> it's not the, the, the funnest thing. Alright, so, let's transition into their main topic, and I don't know how long we're going to stick on this one, because we're almost an hour deep. But, let's talk about superstitions and rituals, because you and I were talking about sports the other day. Um, we were yes. talking about football and whatnot, and then we were talking about um, some of the things that we do in our daily lives, which got me thinking about the superstitions and the rituals that we go through. So, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought when you think about your rituals and what do you mean by rituals? Just the routine things that you do before you begin a project or, or cook something or play a sport or whatever that that's your ritual. And then what, superstitions you got like you know the things you do to avoid bad luck during those projects so let's sort of jump into that a little bit like what do, what do you got for superstitions and rituals the thing where is i don't really have that many i actually don't know if i have any to be honest really yeah like thinking about it i mean i've done a lot of sports and I don't think I really had any, because to me, luck isn't a thing. Right. Like, to me, luck is an excuse that unsuccessful people made up to give them an excuse as to their failures. That's how I see luck, is luck is bullshit, luck does not exist. Hard work is what required to make things happen. Mm. So, um, for me, like, there is things like I'll have rituals and that I've got like a playlist on my phone that if I'm going to be playing football or anything like that, I've got a playlist that I play and just get myself into the zone. Right. If so competitiveness that's your, that's your kind of warm-up ritual. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's a case of for a ritual for like superstitions or anything like that. Um, winning the lottery is just gambling. <laughs> Like, that's, that's, that's how it is. It's just a gamble. Like, and it's no really a calculated gamble. But it's no really because pure luck would be if there's zero odds. Like, there's no reason no as to why it would happen. But there's always odds, so it's not luck. It's just if your gamble pays off. Right. It's like... You put a bet on at the football, you put a bet on at the horse racing, it's no luck that the horse wins, it's that you gamble on the best one. Kind of thing. That's how I see it. It's, it's no, like, I just, luck to me is just an out, really. It's just, it's an excuse as to why, like, it's like when you, like, people turn around and go, like, it's like, oh, he's really successful, he got really lucky. No, he didn't, he just sacrificed everything that he had and worked hard. Like, there was no luck in, like, 
Elon Musk didn't have luck to become rich, he created a company that took off because it offered a product that the public needed and wanted. And then he sold that company and then he created other companies that the public need and want. Like, that's just, that's gambling. Like, that's calculated risk. So it's hard work that he's done. There's no luck involved in that. Like, if there was luck involved in it, you would have more people that go lucky like that way. But it's not. You, you don't think that it was lucky that he hit with the type of company he hit at the right time? Or do you think that's calculated yeah. risk? No, I just think it was it was calculated that he's seen a market that was low and that was required, and he created that market. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it, is that there was there was something missing that the society needed. He created it. Okay. It's the exact same way that you can turn around and go like, that, right, Amazon started as a bookstore. It was an online bookstore for students to get workbooks. Yep. That's how Amazon started. Um. And then it grew and grew and grew because they seen the markets that were required and they worked into the markets. If it was luck, why is every other bookstore or online bookstore not that famous? That's fair. So if you because don't it's like... the same thing, they've done the same thing, but how come has it was because they advanced into other product markets to develop and offer other things? Like once they got to the point where people didn't just want books. They then created a sort of eBay style thing where mm. people bought and sold items, and then they developed into that they bought warehouse space where they purchased stock to then sell through Amazon. Right. That's why, in some cases, if you go into Amazon, it's not always Amazon that's selling it. It's Amazon's a platform to sell. So Amazon are basically a bigger production than eBay. Yeah, Amazon involved into that uh, selling yeah. platform than anything else. Uh, so like eBay created that platform themselves and eBay are successful in it mm-hmm. whereas Amazon are less about that they're more about that they have standards they'll take people off their site right. if they're selling dodgy stuff whereas eBay don't eBay's more still about the public Right. Amazon's went a more private sales of we'll allow you to use your platform to sell but it'll cost you money and if it's your no up to standards will drop you. Yeah, eBay reminds me of like a global swap meet. <laughs> yeah, like eBay is just a a higher productive Craigslist. Yeah, pretty much. So like, if you if you don't believe I don't mean to cut you off, but you made a point. You said that luck isn't luck isn't a thing. So like you don't you don't second guess if a mirror breaks, you don't you don't avoid ladders at all. You walk right mirror breaks. All a mirror breaks means is that I'll need to buy a new mirror. That's fair. I'm not. I'm not big mm-hmm. on that either. Like if a mirror breaks, I'm not like, oh, seven years bad luck. Or if a black cat crosses my path, I'm like, come here, kitty, I want to pet you. Yeah, like when you consider just how many black cats there are in the world. One of them's bound to cross your path. Yeah, like it's just like the the way I see it is it's the same with a lot of things. It's like one of the things I keep on bringing up when we talk about those kind of stuff is pregnancy and where people turn around and go, oh, if you're pregnant and you want to induce labour, you go and eat spicy food. And it's like, no, what happened is a few, a bunch of years ago, somebody was pregnant. They happened to eat a curry 
<laughs> as they went into labour and they've just went, oh, well, it's much more than a coincidence. And now, if you want to induce labour, go and eat spicy food. When No, it was just that one time somebody ate spicy food and happened to just be at the moment their body was going to go in. Because yep. like, like, it's a medical thing of that when people say, oh, it's nine months to deliver a child, mm-hmm. there's other medical aspects that come into that play that means yep. that it's not nine months on the dot. When doctors and nurses give you a due date, that isn't a foolproof, 100% accurate that this is the day and time your body's going to go, right, we're ready. Your body will go into it when it's ready. Yeah, It might be three days earlier, it might be two weeks later. Because they can't pinpoint the exact moment. Like, it's all a science. It's just... It's that's the, the joy of science, is that science is ever-evolving. It's it's ever not knowing, but trying to figure it out. Things change, aspects. Like, not two people are the same, so your body's going to be different. It's going to develop certain hormones differently. It's going to uh, develop different... Uh, chemicals differently that may or may not induce or slow down different aspects of mm. your biology. So a lot of it for me is it's just it's coincidences. Mm. I'm not saying at, at the same time, I'm not saying that I'm one of these people that I'll turn around and go I don't be so fucking stupid. Like if that's what you believe then that's that's cool. It's not hurting me for you believing that. Like it really does the day into my life. Like mm. I, I'm happy enough to just be, well, this is my belief. If that's your belief, then cool. Have all the spicy food that you want. Like, enjoy yourself. Fuck it. But, so, so, if superstitions aren't a big deal for you, what about urban legends? Like, do you, like, do you, like, worry about, like, like, I know you don't worry about an urban legend, but do they interest, like, a superstition is like, oh, you break a mirror, a black cat, like, you don't step on a crack, right? But then, like, the other flip side of a, of a superstition is an urban legend. So, like, you know, the yeah. gators in the sewers of New York, the chupacabra of Mexico. What, like, what do you think of the I urban think, legend side of it? I think with the urban legends, it's a kind of two-way street. Actually, no, it's made a three-way street. Because, as of anything, there's a lot of things that happen that can technically be explained to a degree. Uh-huh. Like, with the likes of the Chupacabra, there's so many reasons that it could have been that was somebody on drugs, was it dark, was your... Because your mind plays tricks on you constantly. Yes, it's it like is. you've seen it yourself, you can be walking down the, uh, a hallway and you think you see a shadow in the back that looks like a person. Mm-hmm. Like, horror video games are fucking brilliant for that, <laughs> of making things look like they're not. And you have to double t- check it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't think like there's urban legends where I believe have some truth to them. Okay. But I don't think it's the entire truth, but at the same time, I believe like and things like paranormal and and stuff like that. I don't see it as it's spiritual or paranormal. Like uh, the way I see it is it's unexplained. Okay. Like it's like to me paranormal activity is unexplained phenomena. Okay. Because if you can explain it, then it's no longer paranormal. Makes sense. But it's the, it's the the phase of being unexplained that intrigues me because it is, it's, it, it's, it's the kind of scientist and is that kind of make you go, well, if 
if you can't explain it, then perhaps there is truth to it. But have we d- developed every avenue that it could explain somehow? Like, uh, if you are doing like a ghost hunt and stuff like that, and you're sitting in a room and the door starts opening, too many people immediately go, oh, fuck, a ghost has shut that door. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Well, no, you need to go across. Is there a cross breeze? Uh, is the door like put the door back and see if it does it again? Make sure that there's no drafts anywhere that's for, caused that to happen. If there's no debunking that can be done, it's unexplained. It doesn't necessarily mean it's spiritual or paranormal, it just means that it's an unexplained phenomena that it can or cannot be mm-hmm. anything. And I think with urban legends, it's similar to the many of them I feel as if it's just through time it's grew and grew and grew like the chupacabra it could have just been that it was a fucking coyote or a hyena that had escaped from a zoo right or something that somebody's seen but over time it's developed into this whole urban thing like uh no one to get religious or anything like that but when you talk about like the the, the bible to me, the Bible was written for a lesser person. It wasn't written to be word for word right. gone by. It was for a people that weren't as intelligent as we are today. That was what the Bible was wrote for. Because if you consider like Mary and Joseph, like yeah, you can like, in one aspect you can be like, oh, it was a miracle birth and all that, or you could be like, oh, well, actually, it was an affair that they took the lie to look far. Like, Mary's away shagging somebody else. No, I've never touched anybody. God himself. Like, you can go down that avenue. Like, it's just, it's a lie. The thing. It's like, oh, Jesus walked in war. Was he, or was he just really good at ice skating? Facts. Like, so it's just, for a lot of these things, to me, it's, there's a, an aspect that throughout the, the years and the decades and the centuries, it's just, it's like Chinese whispers. As they've went down the line, They've slightly been. Oh, you mean like altered. telephone? Yeah, like we call it Chinese whispers. Okay. But, um, yeah, we but call yeah, it like, telephone. It's just as it's went down the line, it's just been altered, and we aspects have been tweaked to make it sound as if it's this whole big thing. Right. When in actual fact, if you were there at it, it was the chupacabra was just a dug walk through the garden. Yeah. And the guy had never seen a dug before. Yeah, so it's... I think and until the things like until the things have been explained, then I'll accept that they are just myths or that it might have happened. Like I, I'm, I'm, I can't turn around and say no, it didn't happen. You're wrong because like what, what right do I have in that? What scientific discovery have I dis- have to prove that? So to me, it's more. I'm more about. The explanation, like, as to why, if somebody can explain to me, like, if somebody turned around and had definitive proof that God existed, I would happily change my tune on it. Right. Because if I can be given the proof that it is, it's real, everything everything that's been said in the Bible is true, then I'm open enough to go, right, no, that's cool. If that's if that's the truth, then fine, that's cool. But until then, it's it's hard to, to time it. Well, you you bring up an you bring up an interesting point with the religion, and I, I know we try to be neutral for the most part, but this show is about our opinions. And re- 
is religion not the ultimate superstition in a way? Um, I wouldn't call it a superstition. It's a faith. It's a belief well, system. Right. I know. But like, what's a superstition? It's it's a faith and a belief that if you experience this phenomenon, X, Y, Z will happen, right? Well, I think religion goes a little bit deeper than that for me. I think it's more like when you talk to people about religion, there is some people that take it way too far right. and too real. But in other cases, religion is less of a superstition. It's more a belief system in that it's a, it's a belief system where people find it easier to believe they gain strength and hope from a alternate being, like an right. all-supreme being, when in actual fact it comes from themselves. Like, for me, I'm my own god. My strength and my hope and my belief comes from me. Right. Which is technically what god to different religions is. Is it's, it's it's a being that grants you the strength to get through the tough days, the hope to that eventually something good will come. It gives you that strength, and that's within you. But if believing in a higher power grants you that, then yeah, go for it because you deserve that. You deserve that strength and that hope to get you through. Because life is shit. Life is tough. But it's the other aspects is. Like anything, there's a minority that push it the wrong way. Yep. And make it more about thing mean, like turning around and going like God in Leviticus says that homosexuality is abomination. And like that, well that's true, but also in the Bible it says that anybody that works the Sabbath should be sentenced to death. Yeah. Why are you pushing for that aspect? And that's in the Bible. Why are you no pushing that? Um it says it says once in the Bible that homosexuality is a sin, but it says seven times that eating shellfish is a sin. <laughs> you don't right. hear these people crying and greeting about no eating prawn. Yeah, it's that's the thing with that's why I can't grip it. That's why I can't understand because it's like they're picking and choosing which parts they want to push. I think which isn't Christian. <laughs> I think I think part of it, and like I said, I'm trying to tie it back to superstition and religion. I think cherry picking uh, any type of faith or belief system is 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 counterproductive to what the system of belief or faith is what it's trying to do. So basically, yeah. faith is a um, God hates crabs. Facts. <laughs> um, I think. I think when you look at when you look at the belief system and the way faith breaks down, it gets diluted and corrupted when organizational structures like churches and, and power structures like the Vatican and you know the Orthodoxy or, and the, the Caliphates for Muslim for Islam tend to become yeah. empowered with corrupt and negative people. I yeah. don't. I don't well, think I can that. Do I don't think that faith or belief is, is necessarily bad. And, and I call it a superstition because in a way you're using the, the, the faith or, or the, the, the icon of that religion as sort of a conduit to take uh, a lot of stuff off your, 
off your shoulders, out of your hands, out of your control, right? Mm. So the mistakes that happen, they're not your mistakes, they're God's will, right? Or they're or their yeah. Jehovah's will or their or their Muhammad's will, you know, whatever. So I think in a way it's religion isn't necessarily a a, a, a superstition much as it is a, a a conduit of uh what's the word I'm, not deflection because that's the wrong word. Um, yeah, I, I know what you're meaning. It's it's like it's an 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 excuse to uh, take away responsibility. Yeah, and and not and we're not saying levels, right. We're like, not saying that that's that's a like you're not like a bad person because you don't want to take that responsibility because faith and and belief does help a lot of people and it has done good. There, it's yeah. not all negative. What what's negative about about it is the organizational the organized issues of religion it's it, it, the 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 chatter dime zero is like church versus church yeah church small c church big big c exactly you have the church the faith of the people and the belief of the people and then you have the church and i think yeah. that's where a lot of it comes down to it because a lot of the negativity comes down because the church tries to muddy the water so yeah, i think it is it's like as I was saying, like with the point I was making on the the fact that people use it as it's a belief system to give them strength and hope, right? In that sense, like I would say that's similar in your kind of point in that if something doesn't go for them, they use God as uh, an excuse of like the will of God, like that wasn't like you weren't supposed to get that job, you weren't supposed to get mm. that. Like you're going through this rough part because God has a plan for you, right? That I can see is a a valid and justified position to have faith and religion. As you were saying, it's the people that use it as a a reason to spread hate, a reason to spread corruption, a reason to use it as a power tool. That's where I draw the line in it of the. That is not using faith for the intended purpose. That is using faith and religion as a power move. And I can I can accept when people like if people turn around and go, or oh, oh, I never got that job, but it's fine. I wasn't meant to get it. Um, God has a plan for me. That's cool. But turning around and using God's voice. Is a reason to hate on uh, homosexuality or to hate on abortion or to hate on this or hate on that, hate on divorce. That's where they say, and then another part is to hate on other religions. That is not the will of God. That is the will of people with power within religious beliefs. That has nothing, like you can read in the Bible that, like, no matter what you do, in the Bible, there's an out for you. Like it yeah. says, do or thou shall respect th thy neighbor. But in another page, it'll say eye for an eye. So no matter what you do, there's a justification in the Bible for it. To me, that's just an out that people use. But um, it's it's one of those things that when people use it to benefit themselves spiritually with strength and hope, 
that's how I feel, that, that's the part of religion that I can believe in. So it's a way of giving you the strength. But when people use it for evil and hate, that's why I think so many people are back offish of it. And I kind of attack it is because you have this. And again, it's a minority. Like, that's the thing that annoys me. So many people see one or two people saying things and immediately latch on to a whole fucking demographic for mm. it when it's a minority. It's like, you talk about veganism and everyone's like, oh, how do you know a vegan? Like, well, no, because I have more people that talk about when they eat steak than right. somebody that talks about being vegan. Yeah. I was vegan for six months and none of you knew because I didn't discuss it. Yeah, because it's, so, it's not it's not something you that you proselytized. Yeah, but in that six months, how many times did you bring up eating steak or cooking burgers? Or I'm a carnivore because it's my daily life. But that's what I'm saying. Like people attack vegans for mm-hmm. how do you they're constantly talking about constantly. No, there's a small minority of vegans that have a loud mouth because that's what the media give. The media give. Right. The, the the wrong people the voice yeah it's like the far right and the far left get their voice but the people in the middle that just want to let everybody just do what they want they're no bothering me just keep it to yourself that's that's what the majority want we're all cool like oh you're gay that's awesome be happy mm-hmm. like but the media give the voice to the wrong people yeah they they love and the assholes immediately speak. everybody goes well that's that's all of feminism that's all of veganism that's all of meat eaters that's all of religion no like that's that's not how it works like like look at muslims muslims are blamed for almost every fucking terrorist mm-hmm. attack no it literally says in the quran not to kill innocent children and women yep so but, it's like, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. That is not the will of God. That is the will of a corrupt bunch of people that just want to spread hate. That is not the entire Muslim belief. If that was the case, I could turn around and go, all white Christian people are terrorists. Facts. Because the majority of the people that walk into schools and cinemas and malls and clubs and bars in America are white Christians. You're not wrong there. So why are we not hating on white Christians for being terrorists? Because that isn't the 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 story that the media want to punt. That's not the story that these corrupt people want to induce. Because if a white person commits a terrorist act or a crime, they must have had mental problems. Yep, I was That's about to bring up that excuse. point. They must have mental problems. But anybody of any other race, colour, creed, sex, gender, sexual orientation does something and it's because they're evil. Like, that's not how this works. <laughs> like, I had a whole thing here in Glasgow uh, during the pandemic because we had immigrants coming in from other countries, a lot of hotels through the government initiative were kind of paid to let like homeless people and immigrants and that have shelter to get them off the streets for the pandemic. Right. And we had there was a, a a moment where people were trying to claim it was a terrorist attack, in which uh, a a male from Sudan, so a black male from Sudan yep. who had been here, in one of the hotels, stabbed a police or started took a knife and stabbed like two other people, and then when the police showed up, he stabbed a police officer, 
Right. And people were finding it's a terrorist attack, it was a terrorist attack. And what it actually came out, and it's one thing that I loved about the Scottish police system in that sense, is they came out and said it was not a terrorist attack. Yep. There's no other threat to the public. What had actually happened is for three weeks, on seven occasions, other members, because the people, these people had been put into like rooms of 12. Uh-huh. They weren't allowed to leave the hotel. They had to just stay in there. Well, yeah. They were in with people that they couldn't understand. They didn't talk the same language. They were handed food that was just generic food that may have been against the religion. It may have been against their, like, even like you could have been lactose intolerant. They could have been vegan, but they, they didn't care. This is what the, the hotel would feed them. On seven occasions, people went to management and said, this chap has got mental problems. He's got uh, mental health issues and he needs help, and they kept on just passing off, passing off, passing off, and the guy ended up snapping. Yeah. But it was through mental health, but the media didn't want to claim it as mental health. No, it was just put down as a terrorist attack from an immigrant from Sudan. So I can't, no, it was just, it was a guy that was struggling. That's all it was. It was the same as me struggling. If I went out and killed four people because I had a bad week last week, Nobody would have put it down as that I was a terrorist. They would have put it down that I had mental issues, health issues. Right. And I snapped because I'm white. <laughs> yeah. It, that To tangentially bring that around, you you made a point uh, like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Where you going? I just, I just pulled one. <laughs> You're on a roll tonight. I like it. When you, like, you talk about like how you said people like telephone. They say, they say, they say. And like yeah. with the news saying it was a terrorist attack, that reminds me of an old an old saying. I don't know if it's here or over by you, but it's here. It says, "When the legend becomes fact, print the legend." Right. So, in a way, like you said, tangentially, because it was a Sudanese guy, they they didn't care that it was a mental health issue. They wanted to paint mm-hmm. it as a terrorist attack because one, that will grab clickbait. That'll grab the clicks. That'll grab the views. Because talking about a, you know, talking about the fact that the dude was shoved in a room with twelve other people, didn't speak the language, didn't eat the food, was struggling. That's that one that puts fault on the on the on the management of the situation. Yeah. Two that puts fault on the hotel for not recognizing or making services available, and three that puts fault on the news for sensationalizing a, a tragedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean... It, it, and Dime Zero makes a really good point I was, there. Yeah, I was, that's, that's basically what it is, is that it's it's kind of the survival of the fittest, mm-hmm. and they get to make the rules and make... Like, they get to write the history. Like, they get to decide who the bad ones were and who the good ones were. Like, consider this, right? World War Two, you yep. had the Allies versus the Axis. The oh, Axis yeah. of Evil. Right. Yep. It was the Nazis and the Germans versus the rest of the world. And the basically. Japanese. Don't forget the Japanese. Right? Yeah. Well, the Japanese as well. Right. Now consider it this way. Right. The German army, who like the British and like the Americans, were called up from national service. Mm-hmm. Right. Were put to war. See if you look at it from the German standpoint. The British, the Americans, and the Allies claimed that the Germans were the evil ones. Yep. 90% of the German army were 18-year-olds that had been called up 
there was moments where some of the German army were kids that had been raised in America, but because their parents were German and had immigrated, were called up to the German army. In some cases, we were the bad people. Yep. We were the ones that went into Germany. And let's be honest, a lot of the times American and Britain aren't the fucking good guys because yeah. they'll go in and, and do a lot of things to civilians and women and children. Like, we've got arseholes here as well. Yeah. Like, well, just because we are white Christians, we have rape, we have murder, yep. we have theft. Like, why, why is it different when it's a foreigner? Because, because there's, okay, you, you, you make a point and I want to, I want to, I want to, we kind of went off superstition and religion, but I, I like I like where this is. So we're gonna we're gonna roll with this. You make two interesting uh, points. One, yes, uh, it's a not well documented fact that the German army and the Nazis were very different. Yes, like not all German soldiers were Nazis. Yeah. No. Exactly. Okay. So in some ways, yes, the, like you said, some of the German, a major part of the German army were just German people who were called up to fight a war that they were, they were drafted, they were called up to do. They were yeah. fighting invaders and, and, and doing what they were told to do. So, yeah, and a lot of them didn't ascribe to the, the Nazi rhetoric, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of times in history, we lose the fact that German soldiers and Nazis were completely different. Nazis were the political party and the ruling the ruling sort of regime yeah. that held sway in Germany during World War II. The German populace weren't all Nazis. Exactly. So, so in some ways, yeah, we were the bad guys. And let's face it, I agree. America and the and the British Empire were not were not good people, right? Well, that was it. The British Empire went and invaded many countries and went, this is ours now. How is that a proud history? How can we sit there and go, well, that's what Germany tried to do. Right. How can we turn around to Germany and say that they were wrong when Britain and America literally done it? Like, that's, 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 we that's what we done. We gave it back eventually. You gave but it back begrudgingly, Time Zero. We didn't really get it back eventually. What we've done is we've put everything in a museum and we now charge them to come and see their own shit. That's right. That's literally what we've done is we've went, like, these people have came back and went, by the way, 200 years ago you came and you stole this for our ancestors and we're like, well, you can't have it back because we're not done looking at it. Well, you can pay and come in and see it, but you don't get it back. Well, Americans, we did the same shit, right? Americans, fucking, the Puritans... Who got kicked out of England because they were the fucking lamest, boringest shitheads ever? They were even the even the British were like, "Y'all people suck. Get the fuck out. Got on ships. Fuck you, right? <laughs> <laughs> they 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 stuck a bunch of motherfuckers on a boat. Those motherfuckers landed on Plymouth Rock, so to speak, and there were there was already a fucking civilization here, multiple. Variations of civilization. Mm -hmm. Now, archaeologically and anthropologi anthropologically speaking, the reason for the the descriptions of the wide open spaces and and the the huge land and the unpopulated areas was because about 
I haven't I haven't studied anthropology in like ten years, so breeze with me. Like a decade or so before the Puritans landed here, a humongous plague swept through the Americas and obliterated eighty to ninety percent of the native population. At one point, it was postulated that America was was uh, America's native populations was in the tens of millions. I can see that for the grand, like, the scale of what America was. And then when the Puritans got here, they were like, there's nobody here. Yeah, because a decade ago, everybody fucking died. And then the Puritans show up, and they meet with the natives, and the natives are like, what's up? Welcome to the, you know, welcome. And this is ours now. The Puritans were like, who owns this? And the natives went, what do you mean? They went, oh, dope, we own it now. And the natives went, I don't know what you mean by owning it. The land is the land. Nobody owns the land. Well, the Puritans yeah. went, no, no, we own it. Here's a flag. We own it. You British assholes and your clever use of flags have taken over most of the world, goddammit. I know. I know. Like, that, that's the thing. And that's part of the history that I'm no proud of. Me neither. Like, I don't know why people are so proud of that part of the history, but they yet argue that thing. And to kind of bring the conversation back to the kind of like the ritual superstitions and that is where I was going with the likes of like World War Two and stuff like that. Again, the the stem of that was propaganda yep. from the media that through the telephone esque manipulated what was happening. And it made society deem and it's still going on. And people the fact that 70, 80 years later, people are still oblivious to this thing that the media do. Is the still day propaganda? We laugh at North Korea when they turn around and say that they've won three World Cups. We laugh that <laughs> they right. say to their people that they are the powerhouse of the world and that everybody else is poor. But you're like, our media still do that. Look at Fox fucking news. Yep. Like, for some reason on my YouTube, it pops up and it's like, I'm no fucking interested in this shit. One of the guys at Tucker or some shit, that fucking bellend, he turns around and, and literally says that um, children wearing masks is basically as if an adult is abusing the child and they yeah. should be locked up. And you're like, this is the shit that this guy is spreading like this is pro- this is basically turning around and saying all Germans are Nazis. That is what he is doing in twenty twenty one. Like yeah, and they, and there's so many people that don't understand that part. It's 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 insane. Yeah, it, like I just I genuinely just it blows my mind that there's so much of the population that are so ill-informed and don't want to get informed. They don't want to read. They just want to be told how to feel well, and what, how to think. Well, why do you think that is, though? Like, why do you think so much of a, of a populist now? And I bring it up all the time. If, if you've been to the podcast a lot, you hear me say it all the time. You have the entire collected information of the human race in the palm of your hand. But yet, you want to watch cat videos. Society. Yeah. Society growing up, you think back in like the thirties, mm-hmm. up until I would say twenty years ago, pretty much I would say see when like punk rock became a thing. Mm-hmm. So about everything yeah, about was 30 years ago, late seventies. Everything was years. discipline. You like 
there was people that were higher up than you that you had to just listen to. You went to work, you done what you were told, you came home. That is what was that was how it was. Even if you want to go as far back to the start, like you had a hierarchy system where you had the the top guy, the or the woman in some cases that told everybody what today. Everybody just done what they were told. That was it. Through the years, that's no changed. Like you can go through from fucking year one all the way up to now, that there's so many people that are taught from past generations that there is a system in place that you have a role in. And it was up until about the 70s and 80s when punk rock started Mm. the revolution of fuck the man. Right. That it started swaying. And the likes of, like, look at it this way, technology wouldn't have boomed this much without that sort of kickstart of do you know what let's put like do you honestly think that the internet would have half the stuff that's on it Fuck no. if it was created by the the man the conglomerates the media Fuck no. the ones that tell people what to think and how to feel like no because that would they would have exerted a certain level of control on hmm. the internet that they don't have now which why i'm gonna all right soapbox real quick <laughs> net neutrality is one of the most important fucking things in the entire world right now, like, anytime net neutrality comes up, I fucking go off on it because <laughs> without net neutrality, you don't have freedom of information. So, yeah. like, what you're saying now, if it was run by the conglomerates and the corporations of do what you're told, sit down, shut up, that's the death of net neutrality right there. Without net neutrality, you don't have, like, Raw Story and, and like, all these other outlets where you can get the facts and yeah without net neutrality like you wouldn't have like um twitter being able to like or like facebook to be able to, to post stories uh in, in countries of oppression like even the people in north korea still get their message out because they find a free and neutral internet to you know they risk their lives to do it in some cases yeah. but without net neutrality we wouldn't know about the Uyghur Muslims in China. We wouldn't know about the North Koreans. We wouldn't know about the oppression in India that's going on. We wouldn't know about um Oh fuck. There was a Phil DeFranco was talking about it last week. Myanmar, the fucking military coup in Myanmar. We wouldn't know about that. Yeah. So But I think again it still comes down to the society that like look at this in a simple way. You said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about childhood and all that kind of stuff, if your mum told you to do something, you done it. Yeah, she was right. in charge. She was yeah. the boss. Right? Yeah. How many times did you vote? See, in the, your, the elections and all that kind of stuff, how many times did you vote for the party that your parents voted for? Uh, Honestly? Mm-hmm. Once or twice. Right. I've and always then voted different. Yeah. But that's where the problem is, is like my mum and dad, like my like my mum's even came out and said that it's up she would vote for the party that my gran and grandpa voted for. Right. Because it was the working class thing. Rarely looked up the policies and all that kind of stuff, but it was because the parents voted for that, that's what they voted for. Right. It's only now that this generation or my generation or the past generation has started looking a wee bit more into it. And kind of going, no, we're we're going to make an informed decision. Yeah, my kids are. The problem is, is, 
it depends on how you're thinking. It's it's the societal discipline where your parents tell you what to do, and nobody thinks to just challenge that. It's just well, they're in charge. They're they're your parents. That's that's authority. And that's it. That's where the problem is, is. People don't want to think for themselves. They just want to be told. And it's societal. It's a problem that we have as a society that people aren't willing to look within themselves and make their own decisions because there's so much authority or anything like that that denounce anybody that strays from the norm. Like, you hear about the stories every day where... A, a child decides that they don't want to do that and the parents take away everything for them, take away their, their money, take away their allowance, take, take away their fucking freedom. If you're under my roof, you get fuck all. You do what I say. That's a problem. That's no... Like, you have a child. You don't own that child. That child is its own person. That's its own being. You don't own... And let's be honest, every generation always turns around and goes, I want my child to have a better life than I did growing up, but they do the same things that they grew up with because that's what they, that's, that was how they were raised, like they turn around and go, like, I, was, I was put to my bed at 6pm and if I was bad I didn't get dinner I don't want my child to be put through the same thing but then don't feed their child and put them to bed if they're bad you know, like, but you're literally claiming that you don't want your child to have the same life that you had but you're forcing them into your life. You've decided, oh, I'm a doctor, you have to be a doctor. I want the best for you. No, the best for your child is to let them do what the fuck makes them happy. I I get where you're going with that, but on on a on a on a on a related note, I think what you're talking about, especially with parenting, is is what they mean by they don't want they don't want their kid to have to suffer the the negative aspects or the traumatic aspects. Of growing up, that they very... learn that way. Well, like instead of hiding your child from those traumatic experiences, why not put forward a platform that if your child doesn't go through certain traumas and certain struggles, how are they going to learn to be able to do it? Or because you're not going to be there forever, and these things are going to come up eventually. But if you can put forward the system where you can explain to them, look, this is what I done when I was a child. This is how I got into this situation. Give them the platform to be informed of how it is. But if they make that mistake themselves, help them learn from it. It's, I'm not talking about all parents in this situation. Right, what I'm no, meaning is it's, it's the parents that if a child makes a mistake, they basically disown them. Yeah, well, um, okay. it's a child don't want to come forward with any problems. Like, look at um, your your kid when they came and and said they don't want to be known as she her. They want to be known yeah. as they them, right? Mm-hmm. See if you were the type of parent that just kept on shunning every everything that they felt about themselves. You pushed away, pushed away. Do you really think they would have came to you and explained that to you? They would have kept it bottled up, been miserable for the next three years until they were at the house. And then wouldn't they have talked to you again? Right. But they think the, the, the belief to be able to come to you with a valid argument and ex- explanation as to why they want to be they them. And you are willing to go, I'll give you that. I'll give you that platform. That's fine. And, and now they're so much happier in their life because they feel heard. They feel as if they can be themselves. 
there's so many people that don't get to be themselves because of a societal hierarchy that makes them believe that they have to just do what's told. They have to do what they're told to do, what's normal, which okay. isn't the case anymore. Okay, I you 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 breached a lot of things, and I, I kind of <laughs> want to hit those. So I agree for the most part that societal hierarchy is is it's sort of like institutionalized behavioral right mm. so like you grow up your parents raise you the way that best they the way their parents raised them and they try to evolve the parenting from their parenting and you try to evolve the parenting from your parenting if you're a good parent right but so mm. often the people who become parents rely on the ritualization of parenting that they learn from their parents so like if your punishment was you didn't get dinner when you were a kid and it taught you to do what you needed to do to get dinner of course that's your that's your default yeah. sort of discipline measure right um another another thing you talk about is how like um when a a, a child wants to do what a child does and it, it's it's contradictory to what the parent expects right the the thing is is, is right that you have to expect a certain thing from your child right but the, but there's the thing between um ex understanding a, a way a kid behaves based on the way you've raised them and the lessons and values you've instilled versus reacting completely contrary to what you've tried to instill and raise them with those values i think it is yeah. is the is the is the is the disconnect so like i have five kids six with the dog each of them have different mental health issues physical needs so what i've tried to do is i as a parent and this is just me speaking from my personal experience and i grew up in a very traumatic household where my mom was a single mom for a lot of time she did have a very harsh code of discipline my sisters did get treated differently than I did and my brother did. So, and my mom grew up in a very uh, abuse forward house. So we grew up where we caught an ass whooping and we got dinner yeah. taken away and, and we got shit. So for me, my thing is, is when it comes to discipline, I will ask you to do something, right? Get the dishes done, do your homework. I will ask you. I will ask you multiple times to do so. If you fail to do those things that you are requested to do, then I tell you what to do. If you then fail to do what I've told you to do, then discipline happens. Now, discipline can be you lose your privileges. You don't get dinner that's made. You make an alternate meal. Or your ass goes to bed early without dinner because you fucked up that bed. With me, there's... I don't go to the way I was raised. I I, I have a system of, of a, a series of of steps. You you did this. You didn't get this. I don't automatically go where my mom went because I know that certain kids won't react well to that. So I, yeah. I have a multiple of I. Any good parent nowadays should have a multi pronged approach of understanding and educating. And, and disciplining their kids where a yeah. lot of people don't have that nowadays because one they work and they don't you know they're tired or whatever and, and a lot of it is they don't want to put the and this is gonna any parent that listens to this is gonna be like fuck you docs if you don't 
take the time to understand and develop different strategies for different kids, you're a lazy fucking parent. I can agree with that. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent, it just means you're a lazy fucking parent. Yeah, because at the end of the day, everybody's done. And like like you had said, the, 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 the way you were raised in the household, to me that just sounds as if your mum kind of put her tra- trauma onto you guys, mm-hmm. which is unfair. That's bullshit. Like, a child doesn't deserve to have you, like, just because you can't deal with your trauma doesn't mean you can take it on your kids. Right. But, That's how I see it. But to- at the same time, you dealing with that sort of childhood has given you, like, that childhood could go both ways. You could go down the route of your mum who had a similar childhood and kind of just continued on that path, which you could have went down, or you could use that childhood as a a learning platform to kind of go, well, I didn't really respond well. Like, I mean, look at the relationship you and your mum has now. I love her, but we don't we don't get along. Yeah, no, exactly. Whereas we the the way that you've kind of developed your parenting skills to your kids, you have a relationship with your kids. Like, you say it every week, like, you put away a Wednesday or Thursday to hang out with your family and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's now got to the point where they're older and they just want to do their own thing, which mm-hmm. is all fair enough. Like, at 16, did you want to be gone run to your grandparents on a Saturday when you had your pals there? Or did you want to go and hang about your pals? How many times were you dragged to go to somewhere that your mum or your dad wanted to do because they were the parent? A lot. I'm not saying that you can't parent your child because in the development stage of children, they need to be be taught the the, the discipline, the mannerisms, the, the how to adult. Like that's that's fair. You need to give them the kind of products to be able to develop right. as an adult, so that they can then put those those learning to use when it comes to the real world. Like, mm. but it's one of those ones that the more and more that you push a child against or for authority and this kind of stuff, all you're doing is pushing them further and further away that they don't feel as if they'd be able to come to you with anything. Like with problems and like that, because if if you're one of those ones that you expect better from them, they're just going to stop coming and telling you the mistakes because they feel as if they're being disciplined for a mistake that you don't agree with. Whereas if you weren't disciplining them for your expectations, then it's like they'll come to you. Like be disappointed, explain to them why you're disappointed in them, but help give them the tools to be able to learn and adjust to it and and work through it. Like, don't just be like, oh, I I expected more. Like, all all that's doing is pushing them away. And there's so many parents that you see online and stuff that have that attitude. It's Because you can go the other way where you have these parents that will post up, or weekend, woohoo, we're going to get steam, and you're like, oh, hold on a minute. You made the decision to have a child. You raised that child. Like, my sister, near enough every weekend, she's asking my parents if she, they can watch the Wayne so that they can go out for dinner or they can go out to the shops. You're like, hold on. When my mum and dad had me, my brother, and my sister, 
they didn't get to go out partying at the weekends. They right. didn't get to go. They took us because that's what you do as a parent, that you've had the child, you're responsible. You can't just patch them on to somebody else because you want to go. Like, I understand you have to have your own time. You have to be able to be free and, and uh, just have those breaks and that. That's understandable. But the way some people act, it's as if, like, it's such a fucking burden that I have this child. So see if the child is that much a burden. Who the fuck did you have them for? Where did you put that burden onto them? Like, they didn't ask to be born. You took that decision. Be it willingly or unwillingly, you made that... You had sex, you had unprotected sex. Even if you only want to have a child, that's the risk. Like, that's how it is. You're responsible for the the consequences that come from it. Yeah. And, again, it stems down to this hierarchical discipline and authority authoritarian that just seems to be that the big person's always right and how society deem you to have to go well part part of that is part of that is the way we developed as a human civilization because again from an anthropology perspective a lot of times it was the literally the despotism might makes right the strongest the strongest uh candidate was the leader because they were able to out outlive outperform or outproduce the um others in their tribe now the whole reason homo sapiens are the dominant human race or human species is because we outproduced and out um reproduced any other human subspecies or and any other human species because you had like homo florensis you had homo neanderthalis you had homo robustus you had homo uh dionysian that are all come out but homo sapiens outproduced and outperformed the other ones and therefore the other ones went extinct so when you talk about hierarchical uh, uh, trend toward authority that's sort of the human experience for the entire thing we've been here and only now as the generation becomes more informed and we're more empowered to be different and encourage differences um yeah. we can we can broaden the perspective and the way we not only the way we parent but the way we present ourselves as a society and a culture but that hasn't trickled down to yeah. the general the general populace yet there's pockets of it like and with with me, with me, like I was talking about the way I discipline, don't get me wrong, I, I'm not perfect. I will holler and lecture your ass all day long when I get pissed off. Like, if you fucking make me angry, I'm going to fucking bitch you out. And I'm going to keep going because I know all you want me to do is shut up so I'm going to go longer just to fucking piss you off. But I also yeah. tell the kids, you got you got two choices. You can either, if, when I'm in that state, when I'm fucking angry as hell, you can either get lectured and have me fucking rip you a new one, or I can whoop your ass across the hall. Which one you want? And nine times out of, like, ten out of ten, they're like, all right, just fucking holler at us, let us learn our lesson, and fucking get on with the day. And that's only, like, if I'm really, like, hit the wall. But I'm not perfect. Like, I, I do have a very multi, multiple levels of how I try to deal with my kids, but 
there's just times where it's like, you know what? I'm fucking done with your shit. And I think, yeah. I think a lot of parents don't have that. They just have the, I'm done with your shit gear. They don't mm-hmm. have the, they don't have that other gear of, I need to, um, they don't have the, they don't have that gear of wanting to like learn and, and prop up and, and deal differently. They just have, I'm the adult, do your thing because that's, that's the experience of humanity up until just recently. Yeah. There's a couple points in chat I want to hit real quick and then we got to move on because we're already coming up on about an hour <laughs> 45 and we got a lot to get through. So, um, Dime mentioned that the rejection of education has a lot to, to answer for. It says, I find that attitudes of today's current students are very different from mine at that age. Well, yeah, because kids are different than when we are now. Like, the, the world has changed from when, like, I'm going to be 42 in July. You're going to be 30. You're like, you're 30, right, Chris, are going to be 30? Yeah. And then no, I'm Dime says he's a crotchety old man. <laughs> um, so our attitudes and our mentalities reflect our generational upbringing. Yeah. And this generation for the most part is a digital generation where education is is something that hasn't changed in a hundred years. And with the the availability of information and tutorials, a lot of kids teach themselves where schools don't yeah. teach anymore. The other thing too is yeah. that the education system has shifted to teaching tests and not teaching education. So that's yeah. a big part of it. Uh, Dread talks about, yeah, exactly. Dread talks about how they they don't adapt to the needs of the kid. Uh, Dread and Chat also mentioned that everybody's approached with a cookie cutter solution. Yeah, you can't do that. And then yeah. Diamond, everybody says, yeah, it's similar, it's similar that they agree. Forced academia. So yeah, a lot a lot of the a lot of the rejection of education and sort of the the sheeple mentality is. Sit down, yeah. shut up, pass the test, don't question anything, get a job, yeah, go yeah. to work, which is not... You can't speed up for the smart kids, you can't slow down for the slow kids, you just have a certain thing, you're either, you you just have to deal with it. And I think, like you'd said, the generation now are starting to understand that there's a lot more information out in the world, there's a lot more teaching out in the world, and I think we're now starting to see just how inadequate the teaching standard has been. Mm-hmm. And I think like like the points I said, there's there's a need for a, a complete and major overhaul of so many aspects of society. But teaching is like one of the main things is we need to stop teaching kids how to test and how to remember what's on a test. We need to start teaching kids how to garner information, how to learn, how to problem solve, how to teach themselves other things. And I think that's where things have to go. But the the thing where it is, it's not an overnight fix. Every generation will always turn around and say how they're more progressed than the last. And it's true. Over the last 50 years, every generation has been more progressed than the last. It's going to take time for us to get to that point. I think now, because there's so much information out there and people are starting to think for themselves, a lot of people want the change to happen now, overnight, just that's it, which isn't how it can work. It needs to be over time. But it's got to start, though. Exactly. 
Like you can see in some aspects that things are starting to make a change, but it's the to me a lot. It's the wrong things that they're they're kind of prioritizing. Right, Dread Dread brings up a good point in chat. For those of you that are only listening via uh, Spotify or whatever podcast platform, the the podcast is live, so we do have a live audience reaction. So when we talk about Dread or Dime, they are people who are are watching live and contributing to the conversation. And Dread, you're right; they they don't teach you what you need to survive because. The education system hasn't significantly changed in 100 years. Now, before anybody says anything else, this isn't the fault of the teachers. No. It's the fault of the educational institutions to not adapt. Now, some teachers are garbage. Don't get me wrong. Not all teachers are saints and bastions of improvement. Some teachers that are collecting a paycheck and don't give a fuck. And we all know what teachers we're talking about because we've all had them. But then but at the same time... That could also stem from the educational yep. department of teachers have just got to the point where they can't yep. they can't teach how they want to teach because as a system they just have to go with the flow. And I think if there was a change, if teachers were given a lot more freedom to teach, you'll probably find that you'll never actually have one of those bad teachers yep. because there is not really bad. There's bad people, right? But when it comes to teaching, most teachers go into teaching with the right intentions, but they're not given the tools. The same way as the students are not given the tools to learn properly, the teachers are not given the tools to be able to teach how they want to teach. So, again, like you said, it does stem from the educational system as opposed to the, the teachers and the students and the employees of it. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of, a lot of the issues that we suffer in society today, and I kind of want to, kind of want to put a ball on this because we're we're gonna be real late. Um, from my perspective, a lot of the societal issues that we have is one, their generational disconnect because the other generation doesn't want to do the work to catch up to the next generation, and the next generation doesn't want to feel like they're held back by the old generation, so there's a disconnect there. Two, there's also a very real issue, epidemic, of stagnation in, like, modern cities. The educational infrastructure, the city infrastructure, the, the medical infrastructure, it's, 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 it's an epidemic of stagnation because we know we need to change, but the, it's so big that nobody wants to try and tackle it because they don't want to fail because they're worried about if we fail, will society break down? What the hell is going to happen if we fail to change the system in a meaningful way? Right Mm -hmm. or wrong? That's my take on a lot of this societal dissonance that we deal with. What do you think, Chris? No, I I can agree with that. It's just... uh... There's so many aspects to it that all sort of intertwine that cause the problems or they think that they're creating solutions, but in that that solution to one problem, they've created seven other problems. And I think 
the, the kind of takeaway is in so many aspects of it, there just needs to be a complete overhaul. But like you said, generations need to get closer together to understand the stem and the root of the issue. Because until they agree that there is an issue, we cannot fix the issue. Right. Because it's just as it's just a constant battle between generations. And like uh, Dredd said, politicians are business people. That like nine times out of ten, when you look at politicians, they've all got either business or law degrees. Yeah. That is the background. Where are the scientists? Where's the engineers? Where's the teachers? Where's the the, the chefs? Where's the rocket scientists? Where are these people that know the workings of how to survive? Why are we listening to lawyers and business people that really don't know shit when it comes to real life? Because it's the belief that they're more educated and more filled in of what we understand of what you we go back to the original point. Exactly. Yeah, it's the authoritarian mm-hmm. belief that there's someone up there that knows best mm-hmm. when it's not true. Yeah, and uh, we, we need punk rock music to make the revolution again. A start steamrolling this ahead that. The only people that know what the public want are the fucking public. Yeah. And these rich bastards that think they know, that don't know shit, as Dredd put a bit more eloquently, (laughs) um, need to basically fuck off. Yeah. Again, we talk about that appeal to authority being a very much limiting factor in society, making true progress. You know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah we just we just made that appeal to authority fallacy. So, um, wow, that was massive. We rolled on to that topic forever, <laughs> which it's a great conversation. I, I don't want to denigrate it, but like we still got a lot to cover. So, let's move on to another popular topic, shall we? Toxicity. Mm, not the not the system of down song. No, 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 no. <laughs> toxicity. Toxicity in your life. Now, recently. Um, there was some stuff that went down in my life where I had, um, and my girlfriend's lives where some very difficult decisions had to be made and it was tough to make them. Um, years ago I have, uh, I don't talk about my family, but I have, um, how are, right, hang on. I got to think. I have four brothers and two sisters two of my brothers are no longer with me now only one of those brother two of those brothers are only one of the four brothers were not related to me by any blood link whatsoever so uh and i have two biological sisters from different parents i don't i don't acknowledge my second sister because of what she did and how she is as a person. And recently in my home, we had to cut out another toxic family member because of the damage that was being done to the family. It's not a popular decision. It's not an easy decision. It is a difficult decision because you have 
familial bonds with these people. And growing up, you are taught that your family is your family no matter what, and you don't turn your back on family. Dax is about to make a very unpopular opinion. That's fucking bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. Once I made the decision to remove that female from my life, I no longer had the stress of having to worry about said toxic person in my life. And for years, I got brutalized by family and friends. Oh, well, they're your sister. Why would you do that? Blah, 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 blah. Because the bitch is a fucking horrible human being and she did some really dirty Ooh. shit. And I shouldn't Fuck have... Fucko. I shouldn't have to carry the burden of her fucking bullshit just because she's my fucking blood. Yeah. And I'm an asshole where... I don't care. You can say that shit to me and it doesn't bother me. So like when I say I got brutalized, it was this in my ear constantly. But me, I didn't care. I don't feel bad about it at all. And then one of my brother, my brother who passed away, who I have no biological relation to, I cut him out of my life too because he went down a road that I tried relentlessly to help him with and he didn't want my help. So after that, I threw my hands up and was like, I can't. I can't do this anymore. And unfortunately, it ended badly. And my sister, my sister, who I actually acknowledge, pays the price because she didn't give up on him, even though he, and I'm not and if she hears this, please don't be mad at me. I'm not trying to say what you did was wrong. I'm not. I'm just saying that some people aren't worth your your health and your mental status mm -hmm. and when you make the decision to cut out a toxic person you should not feel bad for doing what is right for you and yours regardless of what people say it is okay to cut toxicity out of your life whether it's family whether it's a boyfriend whether it's a job whether it's a home whether it's a state of fucking 50 days um, I, I wanted to talk about this in my ramble because there's a lot of backlash that's currently being thrown in our direction and I'm trying not to, it's sensitive and I don't want to go too far into it, but there's a lot of backlash and it's affecting people. And my, my personal thing is I understand why you feel the way you do and I understand why it affects you. But don't let the negativity of the decision that other people are hoisting upon you make you give in and, and bring that toxicity back. Like, yeah, because it toxicity is, is what it is. It's toxic. It will kill you. A toxic situation, a toxic relationship, a toxic family member can only drag you down with them. And you have to be strong enough for yourself and your your remaining family or your situation to say, I'm done. Yeah. And you have to and you have to look at the people that sling the accusations and and the negativity your way and just go like this. You're not here. You don't see it. So these two are for you. And a lot of people can't do that. 
So I kind of wanted to talk to this for whoever listens to this, whoever sees this, like we talked about last week when Chris was mentioning his exit, when we talked about depression, if you're dealing with toxic backlash from making a choice to remove toxicity from your life, you did the right thing for you. Fuck everybody else and don't give in to the backlash because it's just them looking through the window and not experiencing your reality like you do. They don't know they're not here. They don't see it. Yeah. All they see is the window. And they see, oh, you're being an asshole. You did X, Y, and Z. It's okay. If you made the decision because you're fed up and you've been through hell and back and you're done, it's okay. You're not alone. People do it all the time. And they face horrendous backlash. But that's, it's just words. It's just people who are mad or angry or don't understand. So don't give in to the backlash. What do you think about toxic? What do you think about toxicity, Chris? Well, if your standpoint was unpopular, then strap the fuck in. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, here we go. So, not just toxic people, but for anybody in your life, the harsh reality is you don't owe them shit. Facts. You don't owe them forgiveness. You don't owe them love. You don't owe them happiness. You don't owe them sadness. You don't owe them absolute fuck all. If someone is toxic and hurts you emotionally, physically, mentally, or anything like that, you have every right to remove them from your life, be it blood relatives, be it friendships, be it anything, any aspect of your life, if it is not going towards your happiness, you do not have to put up with it. Other people don't have the right to decide whether or not you feel or don't feel a certain way towards them. If someone hurts you, you can remove them. If you don't want to forgive them, that's your that's your prerogative. They don't, they are not owed anything, and if they are not willing to accept that, fuck them. They can move, they can go deal with it somewhere else. But the problem that there is is so many people think that if you're blood related to anybody, then that's it. I've had friends that have completely cut parents out their life because a something simple is they didn't believe in their dream. Because they knew that they had to go full fucking hammer to get to their dream. And their parents weren't working in the same way, like the same direction as them. So they cut them out and said, look, I love you, but I can't have you in my life because I need to do this and you're no helping that. That's fine. Again, there's a, a, a baseline respect that you you should give to people before anything time is like everybody's everybody you give respect if you're if you're a decent person you give everybody respect but you don't have to respect everybody if they give them reason not to like yes everybody has their own opinions everybody's allowed to have their own rights you don't have the right to tell someone they're wrong just like they don't have the right to tell you you're wrong right if someone's going to be an issue in your life, you have every reason to cut them out. Yep. And you don't even owe them an explanation. 
all you have to do is make sure that you've learned from that and make yourself a better person. It's up to them to learn from that and make themselves a better person. That you you don't have to worry about that. That's on them. Right. But so long as you make your every day on this fucking planet the best it possibly can be, if that means quitting a job, if that means moving to another state, if that means splitting up with a partner, if that means stopping a friendship, if that means cutting out a family member, then fucking do it. Because without the happiness in life that you take responsibility for, then you're just going to be miserable. And that's no life to live. Facts. Like, there has to be a certain level of selfishness in your life where you look after your own happiness. Don't put it on someone else. And it's the exact same reason as to why if someone is taken from your happiness, you are justified in cutting that out. Like, I, I never understand why so many people turn around and say, oh, I hate my job, I hate my job, and people will be like, oh, you need to get out of that job, you have to go and quit your job. But you turn around and go, oh, I fucking hate this sister or uncle or cousin. Like, oh, that's, that's family. Have some respect. Fuck them. What respect will they show in you? Exactly. Part of it you is have fear. to show them that respect if you're there. As long as you're not then retaliating and trying to hurt them. If you're just like, no, nah, fuck off, I'm done. And going your own way, fine. Like you're being the bigger person then. But part of it is fear, you don't though. owe anybody. Part of it is fear. Why people don't make that decision though. Part of it is I'm fear. I completely that... understand that. I know it's a difficult. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really don't want to take away from the kind of difficulty in that, yeah. no, that decision making. Like I know there's so like in that sense, there's so many other aspects that has mm-hmm. to come into play. In order to make that decision, I'm no, I'm in no way saying it's an easy decision. No, and you weren't. Um, I was just highlighting one of the things that somebody yeah. would say. And it's like, I can understand that it, it takes a lot to get to that point. Like, there's a lot that you can just let slide. There's a lot of things like, oh, maybe I'll stop going to family gatherings and I'll not invite them to parties and that. But to get to the point where you go, I want you to have nothing to do with me, my family, or anything like that. It's a major decision, but if that's the point that you get to, that's justification enough as to why you're making the correct decision. It's because it's got to that point. This is not just a little family tiff that every family has, or I I wanted to do this and they decided they went and bought the same dress as me. That that level is something that you're just being petty, but to get to this point, that's justification in itself. And all I can say is that I really hope the person that you're talking to can take this situation, learn and understand that they made this as it was and can try and make themselves a better person. Because it's actually the way, like, in a lot of cases, I'm not saying that you have, like, in some cases, you just have to shut the door, steal it shut, that's it, it's done. Mm. But you also have to remember that people make mistakes oh, yeah. over and over again. Unless they're willing to learn, they'll continuously make that mistake. But in everybody, there is always that, that slim chance that they will learn. You never know. Three, four, 
years, 10 years, 20 years down the line, they might come to you and go, look, I was an asshole. I'm sorry. I've changed. I want to show you I've changed. I want to be back in your life. Then that's on you to decide whether or not you're willing to give a chance or, or whatever. And it's okay but, for you not to give them a oh, chance. Yeah, exactly. It's that's okay what because say. if you don't want to put yourself out there until there's a track record of that person doing it on their own, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You don't even if they come to you and say I'm changed, you don't have to take them back. It's okay. Yeah, you don't owe them. You do not owe them forgiveness. You don't owe them second, third, fourth, fifth chances. You owe nobody anything. And, it, and it, that's that's the truth of it. It goes it goes the same way for like your job. If you're in a toxic work environment, you don't owe the job anything. Yeah. You know, exactly. Like, with me, like I'm, I'm, and I know. Oh my God, we're, I'm, we're having such a great conversation, and I see the timer. I, I don't care because <laughs> I want to get through it. But for me, the situation I'm at right now, we talk about it a lot. My job sucks. I don't get paid enough for the amount of work I do, but I can't leave it right now, and yeah. I couldn't leave it in the past because one, I needed the flexibility of being able to do what I could do because of family issues. And two, now we got a move coming up, so I'm not going to leave pre-move. But yeah. where I'm at right now is I'm struggling with the decision of when to tell them I'm moving. Because the asshole in me is like, you get two weeks for all the shit you've done and didn't do and all the stuff you never delivered on. But the responsible person in me is like, you better tell them a month out because there's a lot that they're going to have to do to replace you. Yeah. So the struggle I'm having with that toxic situation is do I give them the two weeks because that's all they're owed? Or do I give them a month and their failure after that is on on them, not you? That's my struggle right now, like from a a work perspective. Yeah, for me, it's a personal decision. Mm -hmm. Like that's a decision that only you can really come to. For me, like. For my last work, I did go to them and say, look, I don't like how this is going. You fucked me over. I'm willing to give you the time to get help. But after that, I'm gone. It ended up, I was but a number. And I was replaced within two days. Like So for me, it's a, it's a, a different thing. Um, but it's it's one of those things... It's you're the only person that can come to that decision. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the crux of of toxicity in general is only you can make the decision. You could have all the evidence in the world and people telling you what to do, but ultimately it's a decision for yourself to make. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of times people struggle with that decision, whether it's a family member or a job or or a significant other, but um. Let's let's kind of segue this into the the second part of this ramble is how do how do you recognize that toxicity though how do you acknowledge it and recognize it because a lot of people struggle with that as well not only clearing the toxicity but a lot of people fail to recognize that it's even toxic in the first place yeah like I'm one of the fucking worst for that like the amount of jobs that I've been in that I've no the amount of relationships I've been in that I've no fucking realized that. And to be honest, it's hard to pinpoint because, again, everybody has different right. kind of abilities, different 
different standards and base levels of like exactly. where they can push themselves to. But the main thing to look at is if you are happy or not in the situation. Like with work, do you wake up every morning and think, I really don't want to go to work? That's working in a toxic environment. Like it's not toxic as in there's sexual abuse or or, or stuff like that, but if you are unable to find happiness in it, that's toxic. If it is affecting other aspects of your life, that's where I would say is the kind of the base level of toxic behaviour. Right. Is that it's affecting other aspects of your life. You come home from work and take it out on your kids. You're in a toxic thing. And in doing so, you're creating a toxic environment for your kids. You are now a toxic person in their lives that eventually they have the right to tell you to go fuck yourselves. So I think it's a difficult thing to see because like like as you said, there's 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 things that happen in life like you know that your work's toxic in your life but you've got other things that you need to have this job for. Mm. That's understandable. But the difference is, is like you coming home from work after doing your doubles and all that kind of stuff and your fuse is a lot shorter and your kid's not doing chores or not doing this or not doing that. That's not on your kids right. that you're in a toxic situation. And again, you putting that on your kids makes you the bad person. Exactly. And even, and I'm not just being about kids, I'm being about in any situation, right. like if you're in a toxic relationship and you go to your parents' house or you go to your siblings' house, you go to your friends' house, you take it on them, you're the asshole. Facts. And that relationship... And so many times it is, it's a knock-on effect. But I think at the same time, it's also, as much as other people don't owe you anything to kind of help you, I, I had it when I was 16, I started dating a girl and I dated her for three years. And it wasn't until it, after we broke up. Now, the reason we broke up is because she had cheated on me um she had done other things she was just she was just a nasty person right and once we broke up my mum my sister my brother my dad my friends all turned around and said we never liked her we seen that she was a bad person and all i could sit there and think is where the fuck were you for three years why did you let me go through this knowing fine well what was going on. Why did you let me have this heartbreak? And in one case, you can argue, well, it's my, my mistake to live. It's my life. Right. They they, they know liking somebody in my life. That's They don't have a right to, to time it. It's right. up to me, which I understand and appreciate in that. Because at the end of the day, if, if you turn around and go, I don't like that person's my, my mate's boyfriend, you have zero right to tell them that they should break up with their boyfriend because you don't like them. Yeah. Does it fucking matter? Like, you, your opinion means fuck all. Like, but he's an abusive you, piece of shit, though. You should make an attempt. 
again, it's not your position. No, not not. I don't mean like if if you know if you witness the abusive situation, I would think you would be like, hey, yo, is this really what you want to go through? Because I don't think it's the best position, and I'm worried about you. I, like that is the best way to kind of approach it is timing because you don't want to be aggressive in it because in most cases they've got rose colored glasses on facts 100% they, see it as, oh, they just love me so much that they're, they're trying to teach me and that's it and if you push it too aggressively all they'll do is push you away and they'll not tell yep. you when 100%. things are happening if you can help them kind of see and go look I don't think this is you really have to think about how you feel in this mm-hmm. that's that's a way to deal with it but even if somebody's abusive to someone, you have no right to turn around and say you need to break up with them. Yeah, you can't just say it's that. It's not your position, right? Like you, like that's 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 not your role in life. So it's the exact same way. And if I turned around to you and said I don't like B, I think she's abusive, fucking dumper. Like I can just make that up on the spot, right? Exactly. Like that that can be my opinion, but. You have like you don't have to go with that. Like you might not agree with that in right. that situation. So it's like, who am I to turn around and tell you that who you can see, who you can date, where you can work? Like that's but, not my position. But if I was to turn around and go, look, when B acts like this, how does it make you feel? And I and I'd be more inclined to try and make you figure it out yourself and kind of be like, do you know what I, that does to make me happy? And then it's you like. You're the one making this decision, right? Because in that abusive relationship, they're the one that's like the abusive partners making all your decisions. They're telling you that they're hitting you for love. You believe yeah. them, and that that's so, that's part of toxicity. That's that's part of the hallmark of toxicity is the the mental warfare that's played. Not only yeah. just like from a physical abuse standpoint, because that's the easiest one to point to, but like your work will be like. You know, if you don't come in, Charlie's got to work a double and Charlie's got, you know, his son's in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? It's that hallmark yeah. of, like, all toxicity makes you feel guilty for you yeah. looking to take care of yourself because it's, it's you're the selfish one. You're the one that is making everybody else suffer. And I think that's yeah. a, a key point on how to recognize toxicity is if you're being made to believe that it's your fault, then I think that's that's a that's a pretty big red flag that the situation or the relationship is a toxic situation. Yeah. Well, I definitely agree that toxicity is a complicated fucking setup. It Anything really is. Anything we talk like... about is complicated, though. Oh, I know, I know, and that's why I like this podcast is because we combat the complicated kind of topics. But for toxic behavior. It's really, it comes down to how you feel in it. Yeah. If it makes you unhappy, if it makes you uncomfortable, if it makes you feel guilty, if it makes you feel anything but happiness or content or anything like that, then it's definitely a situation that you should put a little thought into. Like perhaps discuss it with other people, discuss it with people that you trust, um, people that are willing to kind of, have an open mind and be able to kind of help you see where your feelings could lie and not just 
because if I turned around to you and said, oh, you should break up with him because I don't like I'm being toxic. Right. I'm being just as bad as that abusive partner that we've been hypothetically excla- explaining. So it's like, that's that's the fine line of toxicity, is unless you're trying to make your life and everybody else's life better, you have to you have to really look deep within mm-hmm. and see just how just how certain situations are making you feel. And I'm not saying that you should just up and leave everything. If it's not making you happy, get up and leave. Because there is still other things that get put into play yep. that you have to work with. But I always felt as if one of the, the reasons why the world is in such a fucked up state is because too many people are just willing to allow other people to steamroll them there. Too many people are willing to kind of just bend over and take it. They're not willing to stand up for their own happiness. They're not willing to stand up for their own mental health, their own physical health. Uh, There's not enough people of a support system around people because there's not enough people that are willing to... Like, I had a situation on another server on Discord where there was a, a, a... other user had put up there was like a support and advice page on this server where people kind of go in and go like like explain sort of like the uh, situation or the, how they're feeling and that and they're down in the dumps and everybody else can kind of chime in and go well, I felt that way this is how I helped and all that like and I mean and there was a um, a moment when someone had posted up saying that they were done with everything, they were done with the world, all it was filled away with hate and anger and all that kind of stuff. And people would were messaging in and kind of trying to be that, oh it, don't don't think like that, it's like, and as soon as they started going, No, 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 like that this is what it is, it's timey, they would then start getting defensive and aggressive and or you're just being a lost cause, you're just timing that. Mm. Whereas I could understand where they were coming from because I've been in that situation where you've just felt as if like the world's full of hate and divorce and murder and anger and crime. Like, what's fucking time it? And I took the time to just sit there. Like, I've, I've not talked to him before. I've never talked to him before as well. Mm. It was just in that moment where I just took the time and it turned out that he had um, he was autistic and he just didn't have a support system that would listen to him. Right. Like he just by the end up it 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 felt to me that he just didn't have that someone that was willing to hear his point of view. It was just always people telling him how he was wrong and what he was seeing. And I kind of took the point and I was like, well, aye, the world is full. There's a lot of like murder and crime and anger and divorce and things. But what you also have to look at it is in the world, there's millions of people getting married. There's millions of people having children. There's millions of people having promotions. They're being happy. And the only way we can combat evil is good and there's a lot more good in the world than evil it's just when you're in that situation where all you see is evil it's going to be overwhelming and all it took was me it was like 30 minutes and I just sat there and I was like look I'm, I'm listening like, I understand where you're coming from and over that half an hour 
actually acknowledging and replying to his messages and not just saying things that you felt he should have heard. It completely de-escalated the situation. And I had other people message me privately saying, thanks so much for being able to take the time and have the patience in that. And I was like, but that's, that's one of the issues is so many people don't have the patience anymore because they're at the final length of their cord. Yep. Like they've had to put up with a lot of this and it's just at their point where they're, they're just tired of people feeling sad. Right. And it's fair enough. But again, without that support system, you can't get out of a toxic situation when you've got all these people trying to tell you what to do and not enough people trying to listen to you and try and let you develop that opinion and kind of go, well, like, because you always see, see when people talk about therapists and you see them in movies and that, and they always portray it as, and how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. People make a joke of that, but that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. Like, you you being in a, an abusive relationship, if I turned around and a cat would dump them, like, well... That's just a bit blunt. If I turn like that, well, when they do that, how does it make you feel? Yeah. And if you start then being able to go, well, it makes me feel quite shite, it's you, yourself, that's coming to those well, that, opinions. That, that that brings up the point of the reason why people, why therapists are portrayed that way as the, the core tenant of therapy is self-exploration leads to mm-hmm. self-discovery, leads to self-betterment. And all too yes. often, you and I on this podcast have said, at the end when we do our rap, one of the reasons this podcast is so good is because you and I can communicate opposing yeah. points a lot of the time, or often different perspectives of the point where they're often contrary based on our yeah. experience, but the reason we don't get angry or we don't, or we don't dislike each other is because, one... We listen first and then reply after digesting and processing what you're saying. Like, for me, it's really easy to go, well, you know, just fucking dump the guy. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. And, like, for the situation on the server, I, you know, the fact that you took the time because you had the time or made the time, anybody Mm -hmm. else on the server could have done that. But it was you because you listened and you read and you processed and you understood the situation. A lot of uh, toxicity and a lot of dealing with toxicity and and people is not being able to listen and read the signs and then choose the appropriate action to remedy that toxicity because of fear, miscommunication, guilt, anger, uh, sense of failure, things like that. So it kind of goes back to the first topic and that a lot of people aren't willing to get the information. They're not willing to be informed in what's going on. They just want to put forward their opinion, their belief that they are right. They're not willing to listen and see where other people can come from. And that is, like, it kind of ties up everything we've kind of discussed tonight, mm-hmm. is that it's the misinformation or the the lack of sense to obtain the information for themselves right. that 
caused them these kind of situations that they don't have to be in, the stresses that they, they create themselves. Because if they were to take the time and have the patience to just listen to someone, take in what they've said, and then give them back a, a rebuttal or like an understanding, yep. the conversation can flow a lot better than just you shouting your your points well, and that, you get nowhere. That that makes sense because uh, uh, you see it all too often as people wait for their turn to talk instead yeah. of waiting for their turn to conversate. Yeah, yeah. Like they're not listening. They're they're not listening to reply. They're listening. To know when they can start talking, they yeah. don't care what's coming out there. They are just waiting for their turn, and that—that's a, a perfect analogy to kind of explain how so much of society is right now. Yeah. Is that they're not listening to understand, they're listening to speak. Facts. With that being said, let's let's lighten the mood and sort of move to the end here because we're going about. Uh, we're probably going to be closer to three <laughs> hours on this one. Um, yeah. Let's move to the happy ending. So, last week, I believe I started. So, this week, let's start with yours. You go ahead and intro the topic. I'll get the link in chat. Um, well, my good news, I was stuck between quite a few. Um, but this one is animal shelters work together to help dogs have a better chance at being adopted. Basically, Having skimmed kind of through the thing, basically in Idaho, mm-hmm. a couple of different animal shelters have came together to try and help dogs be able to get their forever home. Because in so many cases, it's almost as if it's a business, right? And getting these animals out and the only thing so. Basically, it's 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 a, a story that kind of thing means like a um, for example, an animal, a dog that can't be off lease for a variety of reasons, resource guarding, too protective of their owners, whatever the reason is, the dog not being safe off leash. Um, if they determine that a dog wouldn't be successful in Blaine County through the transfer coalition program, they're able to work with other shelters where the animal would have a better chance of being adopted. So what they're doing is. Animal shelters are kind of moving dogs and animals throughout different areas of Idaho because in that understanding, like they said, if the dog isn't good at being on a leash, the last place you want to put that dog is within a city. Yep. You want the dog to have the freedom to be able to go into fields. So it seems stupid having it in an animal shelter within the city. You want it in a, a, an animal shelter where the, 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 the people that would adopt the dog would have land and area that would be able to take the dog. Right. Same way. It's a, so basically, animal shelters are becoming overcrowded, which is it's, it's a bad thing because... When animal shelters become overcrowded, the only way that people seem to be able to do deal with that is by putting them down. 
Yeah, that sucks. Which just sucks because why should an animal that a human being's brought into this world for whatever fucking reason have to be put down because they don't want it anymore? Like, mm. all the animals that are in animal shelters is through the unreliable and owners that don't take the responsibility. Like, it's, it's, it's the, 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 the long-tailed story of a puppy's not just for Christmas, Yep. which people still haven't fucking learned, which is another reason why I'm somewhat against pets. I just yeah, don't understand I why. I contributed to that, too. We got nicks at Christmas. Yeah. yeah, but the difference is, is after six months, you didn't go, right, well, we're back at work now. We kind of look after them. Let's ship them off. Yep. Like, that's that's where it's I miss. Uh, so, like, I'd, again, I just I just don't think, like, pets... Humans as a species are not evolved enough and intelligent enough to be able to have another species' life in their hands. We can't fucking take care of our own life. Why should we put the burden of another fucking species on it? So, like, that's mad, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> We've already but, been down that road a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's such a refreshing take to see that it's the these animal shelters and that are actually starting to understand that animals have different personalities. Mm-hmm. A dog is not just a dog. A dog is, has a different personality from another dog. Right. And the fact that they're starting to actually see and work towards this, it has its meaning that the... Uh, the numbers of animals that are having to get put down is drastically lowered because you think it yourself, if you're looking for an animal and you're going to adopt, you look usually go to the local yeah. animal shelter. You don't go further afield. Nope. So you're only seeing that small portion. The fact that this... Uh, wait a minute, I'll get the name of it. Mountain Humane uh, Shelter. I, but there's, it's a... Uh, the transfer coalition program. Yeah. Through this, this is what they're using to be able to transfer dogs and animals throughout the different shelters in order to give them a much wider chance of being able to find a forever home. Which, at the end of the day, is the the the, goal. the, the main goal is to get them out into forever homes. And there was a story as well that I was like kind of touched on this kind of thing, and it was there was a pit bull. That it spent four hundred and twenty-five days in a shelter. Yep. And it finally got it, it its forever home, which is a great thing. But there was another one, and it was a Satan spawn Chihuahua. Yeah, I saw that article on Twitter. And they found its forever home, and what had happened is it had been in the shelter for like years, like years and years. It was twelve year old. Yep. At this point. And the reason why the original ones had gave it up was because it was skittish around other animals, it couldn't deal with other humans, it couldn't really find me, and it was just, it was like a spawn of Satan. Right. And what had actually happened is, over the years, it didn't really get better and all that, and then it got put into another shelter where another chap found it, and the reason why he was able to take it to its forever home was because he had previously had a dog that didn't get on with children, didn't get on with humans, didn't get on with any animals. He was able to understand 
and adapt to the dog's personality. Right. And the dog had sadly passed away just through old age. Right. But because he had the experience of dealing with an animal with that personality, he was able to then take the Chihuahua in and yeah. adopt it and give it the better life because he could he could understand it. So that basically kind of shows that this program is the way forward because in most cases that person would never have found him because right. why would he go further afield when he just he, he would want to think it was just the off chance that he's dealt with yeah, that well, sort of he, animal he before had the, he had the ability to to find it now there i saw i saw well the, i have two thoughts on this one this program reminds me of like the interlibrary loan system or like yeah. if you go to your library and the library doesn't have a book, they can get go the fucking right. book because yeah. they can call a library and be like, yo, do you got Harry Potter, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I got a guy here, uh, one city over that wants the Harry Potter. Can you send me the book? So th- when I saw this article and I skimmed the articles that we put up, but I, I mainly like you, I let you present the topic because I want to hear your take on it. But that was my first thought was the interlibrary loan system is sort of yeah. what they're doing with shelters now. And I think it's I think it's amazing because you're right. When you look for a pet, you're not gonna go you're not gonna go more than twenty miles out of your way. Let's be honest. You're not gonna drive yeah. you're not gonna drive fifty a hundred miles to like the average person, not you or you, but like you're not gonna yeah. be like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna drive a thousand miles to get that dog. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. You're gonna go to the Humane Society and be like, oh, what do you got? And if they don't got what you want, you're not getting the pet. Yeah, exactly. You know, you may go over to the next town over, depending on how far the next town is, but you're not going to go much more than one or two towns away. No, exactly. Especially for a rescue. Let, let's let's be frank, right? It takes a special kind of person to rescue a dog from a shelter because most of them dogs are going to be fucked up in some way. They're going to have some sort of shit you got to process to work through because they... They don't come out of the box fucking broken. But in order to end up in a shelter, some traumas had to happen. Is it one of those ones that that could be a misconception of society is that not all animals that are in animal shelters have that, like, are are all fucked up. Like, yeah, there's a a number of, like, there's a percentage and it's a decent percentage that the reason why the the owners had to put it in is there. But see, and, like, see as we've moved on, like, see in the last, like, two years, especially with the pandemic, the amount of people that were getting animals because they weren't working and then everything got opened back up so they've went, well, we can't take care of this anymore. There's nothing actually wrong with the dog. It was the owners that, they were the problem. So I think in the last couple of years, it's less about the animals being fucked up, and it's more about the previous owners being fucked exactly. up. Exactly, that was the point the I was getting towards. Making to, to get into. Um, so it's like, I, I do think that the whole, like, as it's, it's a truth, and most people don't want to go to a shelter because they have this misconception that most dogs yep. or animals in the shelter are there for a reason, exactly. and it's the animal's reason. But in actual fact, in this day and age, most animals are there because of the previous the, owner's reason. Yeah, the failure of the owner. Yeah, that was that was that yeah. was making my way there. And you got yeah. yeah I'm glad you picked up on I'm not saying that all owners that give up the animals 
it's for bad reasons. Right. Like I understand that there's some cases where if someone loses a job or the thing, they, they physically just can't afford to look after yeah. an animal anymore, or they just they can't. Like there's reasons as to why you can't, but there's also shitty reasons as to yep. why, which is all too much now. So I just, I just wanted to reiterate that I'm not generalising all people right. that give up animals because in some cases there is no other option. Be it if you can't afford to feed the animal, you can't afford to house the animal. If you have to move for financial reasons or work reasons and you can't take the animal with you, I can understand that it's a tough decision for you, but it's one that you have to make for the better of both parties. Thanks. But um, it's all too true that there is a lot of people that do it just through sheer boredom yeah. or not want to take responsibility. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that this, this shelter coalition is now moving animals around so that they can be better, uh, one, better exposed and better suited to maybe the area. Like you said, if the dog is off leash, isn't good yeah. on leash, they shouldn't be in a city. Like our dog, Nix, is, she's good on a leash, but she's better off a leash. And we're doing leash training with her to get her better, but you can definitely tell that she yeah. she is definitely more comfortable, more responsive, more at ease in the public spaces off a leash. But in the city, gotta have a dog on a leash. So when she's on the leash, she's out in front. She's investigating. She's looking. Yeah. Like when we take her on the trails and she's off a leash, she'll run ahead and then come back and hang with us. And then run yeah. ahead and come back and hang with us. Or if someone comes around to Ben, I'll say, hey, Nick's come. She'll run over, sit down, put a leash on her, and she's fine. It's it's the personality, and it's the understanding the dog's mentality. And yeah. now with a shelter coalition to be able to move dogs around with those different sort of requirements gives the dog a better chance to get adopted to their forever homes. And I think I think more shelters, if they have the ability to, should adopt a policy much like these ones because not only yeah. will it not only will it raise the adoptions for dogs but it also said they're seeing success in small animals doing it too yeah no exactly so like, it just benefits the shelter as a whole oh yeah definitely and as uh, it's just it was one of those stories like obviously i was on a, i was on the similar site to what you used to to think about that because Funnily enough, there's so very limited sites online that share positive yep, stories, which is. is really sad. Like, I'm, I think it might have to be a new addition to the website where positive news stuff more uh, positive news. Yep. Um, just to give it another platform, but just post articles randomly. Yeah, yeah. but this story definitely just it hits. It home. was just yeah. It was just one of those stories where you're like, and let's be honest. We can't have one of a podcast where one ears don't talk about an animal. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But to, to caveat to add on before we move on to mine, I also saw uh, uh, there's a shelter here in the States that's doing in a sort of innovative program to get their dogs adopted too. They are sorting their dogs in Harry Potter houses. So oh. they're, they're, they're recognizing the animal's traits and then sorting them into sort of like the Harry Potter houses. So the dogs that appear to be aloof and intelligent and have sort of their thing, they go to Ravenclaw. The dogs that are like lap dogs and real lovable and huggable, they're Hufflepuff dogs. The dogs that exhibit bravery and, and like sort of take charge attitude, they're Gryffindor dogs. 
and they call it Pogwarts is the program. And <laughs> just in the institution of this program, they've seen adoption spike because people can recognize the quality of the dog based on their association with the Harry Potter literature and the cultural phenomenon and it's Harry Potter. So their dog adoptions have gone up. I, I, I didn't read the article fully, but it said something like 15 to 20%. Yeah, just for one, decent. just for one innovative program, one one idea. Just yeah, sort the dogs in Hogwarts houses, and people are like, "Oh, okay, cool." That because people like to have Spider Man dogs and Iron Man <laughs> dogs, and nobody wants an Iron Man dog. <laughs> nobody wants an Iron Man dog. They drink too Come much. On, they're, too ar- they're too arrogant. They're too arrogant. They drink too much. They're too cocky. Fuck off. <laughs> and Iron Man dogs, one of the big. Bernard once see the Bernard that always said the cartoons always <laughs> had the whiskey basketball. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's an Iron Man dog. Facts, facts. <laughs> so my article, much like most of my articles, center around the ocean because I am an ocean fanatic. Uh, this article talks about a new conceptual sailing vessel that, if if designed correctly can clean the oceans, waters, and estuaries and coastal regions of plastic waste. Not just the big shit, but the small shit up to 10 millimeters, it says. It can it can harvest plastic as small as 10 millimeters. Now, that doesn't take care of the microplastic epidemic, but 10 millimeters is pretty fucking small. It's a step in the right direction, it let's is. be honest. Like that's what most of these stories are, is showing that like it's one aspect to these positive stories that I have noticed is that everything that like especially the ones that you show, it's a step in the right direction. The likes of like the spider story or the tiger story or the uh, Alzheimer's. The elephant and uh, rhinos in Africa yep. story. Everything, like, even though it's not fixing it completely, it's a step in the right direction that can mm. lead on. And I think that's why, it, like, that's one of the aspects why I, I enjoy, like, I try, I, I know we're not supposed to, but I try and no read the stories <laughs> right. that you put up because I want to be in the situation of you sharing it and me getting that excitement of the next step in making the world better. Right, so that next step is a solar-powered, zero-emissions research vessel and, like, seaworthy garbage-collecting vessel called the Manta. Now, the Manta is the brainchild of a professional yacht uh, racer. What's his name? uh, Oh, God, (laughs) really? It is... I got this. Yves Bourgnon. Yves Bourgnon. Gotcha. Very good. You can get an applause for that. Golf clap. <laughs> Chef's gift. So this guy, he basically saw the movie Back to the Future, right? The third Back to the Future movie, where Doc Brown, and I'm dating myself, some of you probably don't even know the Back to the Future series, uh, Marty McFly goes back in time, narrowly sleeps with his mother, and blinks out of existence, but manages to get away from his hot-ass thirst trap of a mother, to hook his dad up with his mom, <laughs> so eventually he can be born to change the future. Know. There, there's your movie. But they can't block his mom for birth before hers. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> so in one of the in the uh, in the in the film, the the mad scientist Emmett Brown designs his time machine around a nuclear, the you know the nuclear powered DeLorean. Mm-hmm. In the end, he removes the plutonium and nuclear component of the time machine to make it run off of garbage. This had an impact on Eve's. Eve. And he thought of, well, if I could make a, a vessel that was run off of garbage, maybe I could clean the shit out of the ocean. Thus, the concept of the manta was born. Now, it is in concept phase right now, and there, the article talks about what it's conceptually capable of. And it it runs on a system of conveyor belts, which... Uh, the way the vessel is designed, it's designed like a, a trimaran or a catamaran, where it's the the deck is elevated above a series of pontoons, and underneath mm. the deck, there's no like, there's no central hull. It's open, so the hull is on the sides on these massive pontoons, right? And the as the vessel plows through the water, it funnels water down the center gullet, which runs to a series of conveyor belts, which then scoop up the plastics up to 10 millimeters. Then those go to a series of sorting belts that are sorted by onboard crew who then throw um, organic matter back in and then plastics and metals are sorted in their bins to be delivered once they reach port. But the plastic, the glass and metal, not plastic and metal, the plastic material is then fed into a shredder which shreds it up that's fed into a heating element which then vaporizes the plastic and then the vapor is then fed into what they call a sin turbine because the vaporization of the plastic uh, creates synthetic gas that gas is then funneled into the turbine which turns and generates electricity therefore powers the boat to continue to clean the oceans There's also room for uh, research labs on how to how the how to break down plastics more efficiently. And at one point, it said, um, e, uh, based on the concept, the prototype is supposed to hit the waves in three years, so twenty twenty four. And Berlion believes that if four hundred of these vessels were made. It can reduce the plastic pollution of the ocean by at least 33%. Holy shit. Now, the other thing that I missed is the the Manta has a series of trawling nets behind it to catch bigger plastic or or stuff that gets around the feeder. And yeah. but the, the nets are only submerged about a meter, which is below sea life level. You'll only catch like a random fish or whatever when they come up the surface. Yeah, it's more like a skimmer as opposed to fishing nets. Exactly. It it trawls on the level of like, it's basically, the the trawling nets are basically like a giant pool skimmer. Yeah. And they catch the the surface plastic, but they're not deep enough to affect sea life for the most part. Obviously, you'll catch the random fish that... Yeah, you can catch a random fish, and I think in the, the grand scheme of it, like... Catching one fish in 33% of the ocean's plastic is a pretty decent trade-off, <laughs> especially when you could consider that if they're only a metre, 
there's a higher chance that you can have someone working at the nets that if they see that the fish yep. has been caught in it, it can be removed and kind of fed on its merry way. Yeah, so, so I mean, I conceptually, I'm all about it because not only is the ship powered by the the plastic and the the the, the turbines, it the deck is covered by solar panels, and there hmm. are there are also sails and wind turbines. So the whole the whole ship is dedicated to like a zero impact sort of kind of existence where. It powers itself, it moves on itself, and it, all it does is take and doesn't pollute, which, again, a lot of my articles that we highlighted are this step forward in progress or these these ideas that, like, if are just given the light of day and the proper funding and the greedy bastards who want to hide these technologies keep their fucking hands off it, we yeah. might be able to make some positive steps for changing our our environment for the better. Because as we've yeah. highlighted between our mind and your love of nature, humans aren't the only intelligent life on this planet that deserve to live. Yeah. And I think... No. Well, the... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say the other little bit that I just read there that I want to point out is it says that there's also room on board for a scientific laboratory yep. allowing marine biologists and chemists to study the effects of plastic on the ecosystem. That means that not only the cleaning the system they're putting something in place mm -hmm. to be able to study just where like figure out just how much further forward they can go and yeah. eradicating this yeah oh uh one thing the article doesn't mention but the video does is there's also a 200 meter squared uh area for educational uh seminars so people oh, can okay. can they can host like conferences or part like educational seminars on the ship as it cruises the ocean. So it's a learning environment as well as a research environment as well. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm excited. I I mean, I love the ocean. I'm like I love scuba diving, I love sea life, I love nature in general and to see like this and the other, like, things that are being done about ocean cleanliness, like, uh, the Dallas Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban, invested in a company that's developing a, a, a series of robots that go out and skim ocean plastic. And then there was another company I read a couple of years ago that's investing in um, a series of living sponges that leach hydrocarbons from the ocean. For oil oh, spills. Yeah. I think and, I read that myself. Yeah, and then we, we also talked about a company that's developing an enzyme that eats mm -hmm. hydrocarbons. Yeah, and so, it's helping. And we also talked about where they discovered that is it amoxicillin mm -hmm. is helping to eradicate the diseases of yep. like the coral reefs. The reefs and stuff. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's it's like all is to think that that's four stories that we've came out with on this podcast that show four very different solutions to basically one problem yep. that just shows you that if this one company's eradicating 33% over such a certain time, right. which I think it says it's three tons per hour it can eventually suck up uh, of pollution. Yeah, I believe so. 
So, like, if you've got this company that's eradicating 33%, and then you've got another company that's eradicating another X amount of percent, then you've got another company that's eradicating disease within coral reefs. Um, there's another company that I know that are, for every sale of something that they, they do, they're planting seagrass that uh, takes in something like 60% more carbon dioxide in the air than mm. like the rainforest that means that they are like again we're at a point where the oceans can't take any more like the coral reefs are dying and that because yep. it can't take any more shit that we are pumping in so but there's like so many of these companies that are putting more out to try and give mother nature that fighting chance and it's, like, it's such a man we fucked up here you go <laughs> yeah. i just as i as i keep on saying i just hope I hope people don't use this in, as an excuse to continue the way they're doing. It's like, oh, yes. well, we're, we're, we're fixing it, so we just have to put many of this in and we can make more gas-powered cars. Like, I hope that's not the way. I hope this is a kind of point where we go, no, no, no. We fucked up before. We're not going to keep fucking up once we've solved it. Yeah. Like, this is not an excuse to continue to fuck up because we can solve it as well. There needs to be the change that these type of things don't need to be created yeah 100 percent. And, and i i think i think all too often we talk about it all the time the media is always gloom and doom yeah like we've highlighted four stories that you'll never see on the news oh definitely never you won't hear about that or you'll hear about it anecdotally they'll be like oh and then there was a thing over there or look at the dude in india who spent who spent his life rowing on a boat He's crippled, yeah. pulling plastic out of the out of the river. Like you don't hear about that shit ever, because it's not yeah. sexy. And exactly. you and I are trying to make this shit sexy. I know. To me, this is sexy. <laughs> this is about as hot as a hot woman can get. Like you're cleaning up the oceans, you're protecting the wildlife, you're recognizing that you can uh, that you can make steps to eradicate Alzheimer's disease. You're finding new ways to clean up oil spills. That's like combating the human virus to me. That shit's hot. Exactly. And it like, needs it yeah. needs more of a spotlight. And I'm glad we're mm-hmm. doing it. Because at least if like one person that listens to this podcast or watches the video reads an article or, or listens to the passion of what we talk about and goes, maybe I need to read that. Maybe 10 years from now, they're the next Elon Musk. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to brag. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to flex, but that is my <laughs> hope. You know, that is my hope. That is like, yeah, I listen to this. Scotsman and this gray-haired weirdo, and they were talking about this science that's not fully theorized yet, and it inspired me to do that. I'd be like, okay, my work here is yeah. done. Thank you. I'm going home. <laughs> no, exactly, and like that's that's the kind of that's the kind of point is that we, as we said at the very start, we've got ideas and plans that we have for this platform. Um. And let's be honest, there's a lot of fucking avenues that we've went doing with the ideas for this platform, yeah, ranging really? from positive stories to streaming to fucking production, like <laughs> so many fucking things. And it's like, personally, I just feel as if there's not enough of that out there. Mm-hmm. And it was like the the social media boycott that I, that I done last week. The point I made when I done it is, yes, I don't have a massive following. Yes, 
uh, my voice is low, but I've got a voice. Yep. If everybody uses their voice, we can spark change. And the likes of like this podcast and the, 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 the website and stuff like that, yeah, we're not Saturday Night Live, we're not Joe Rogan, but at the end of the day, if we can help one person a week, say, to be able to have the understanding of how to portray a better life for themselves, right. a better life for others, and a better life for the world. It might take a while, but it's it's something that's worth the time and effort. It's yep. something that everything moving in the same direction can only be good. And the more and more people that use their, their very limited voice, be it, to move in that direction, it can only be good. Yep. And if sharing these kind of uh, news stories are talking about toxicity, sharing what affects the depression and stuff like that, if that's what it takes to move forward, then I'm here for the long haul. Yeah, me like too. that's 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 how I see it. Is that we're at a point now where change is needed. And we all have to start trying to work together Facts, and help each other in any which way we can. If it's talking absolute shite on a podcast or laughing about having a game show at some point or <laughs> sharing videos with other streamers, then wh why is it a burden? <laughs> why do people deem it as a burden? Like, like, like you, you. Every time we've had the thing, you talk about how. On the 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 backside of stuff, I pick up everything. And I'm fucking yeah. the website and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you're kicking ass. But at the same time, that platform for me wouldn't be there without you, because I wouldn't have had the confidence to be able. Like I've had this idea for three, four, five, six years, right? But never had the confidence to be able to push it forward. Whereas you've taken your abilities as a streamer and a performer and your confidence to be able to kind of grab me by the horn and go, well, let's fucking go. I'm just so, a loudmouth asshole. That's all that is. <laughs> no, and at the end of the day, personally, I would love to have more people like you in the world, more <laughs> people that take that of, I like, just, I'll take what you with me. Right. Like we're we're on we're right at the top. I'll fucking just let's all go. Right. Like if more people like that were in the world, then just imagine how much fucking better this world would be. Just we're all too often it's people don't want to help other people because if other people get better success, then th look at the conversation me, you, and Zim had on private call a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. with how I was feeling on that. Where about the, the streaming and stuff mm -hmm. and. Like, that was just instilled in me. That right. that was when my mindset went of, well, what if people don't want to thing me with me because if my success or my, well, my lack of success is going to thing me. Um, whereas if everybody just worked together, it'd be so much fucking better. And that's, like, that's the idea of, like, the Drunk Tank Productions that I want it to be, mm. is that we're all in this shit show of our world together. So let's all just fucking grab an oar and start sailing the same way. Just let's move together as one because it's the only way anybody ever gets hurt is if we move as one. 
Yeah, there and, was there was a there was a song that came out a couple of weeks ago, and I'm gonna butcher the the lyric for it, but it was basically it equates to I would rather have five guys that grind with me than one fucking superstar. Yeah, who thinks about nothing but himself. Mm-hmm. And like to to reiterate on that with yourself, you keep again you keep on saying that I'm doing a lot of this background work and that, but you're the one that's working a full time job. Plus raising a family, plus doing a move and that, and without fail on a Sunday night you're here to push this forward. So at the end of the day, it's not a competition on what you're right. grinding. It's the fact that everybody's grinding their own together. shit. Yeah, we're grinding together. Like as long That's as it. we're all grinding and it's working for us all, mm-hmm. then what does it matter? Like if people want to turn around and go, or oh, you only turn up and do this, but I'm doing all this stuff, I don't give a flying fuck because, to me, I appreciate the grind that you put in on your side because a lot of the stuff that you do, I couldn't do. And in order to help me and my grind be worth it, you're grinding and make it worth it. Yeah. And that's, in turn, spurring me on to go, the grind that you're making, I want to make sure that I'm fucking hitting that standard as well to make sure that you don't feel as if you're putting in more than you should. Because if we're all hitting the same fucking tune, we'll all move forward. Yeah, and I think that I think that's a key with the happy ending with us in particular. Because when you pitched the idea to me, I it kind of smacked me in the mouth because I never thought of it. Like, I, I always sit there and I think about, oh, well, you know, how come there's never, how come, how come you never hear about anything? And, and then once in a while, you'll come across a random positive tweet or a positive note. And I was like, oh, I should, I should talk about that. Yeah. And I was like, never thought to talk about it until like, you were like, hey, at the end of the show, we need to do like something, like highlight something. And it just, it, it. It smacked me in the mouth because I was like, I was saying that shit six months ago, like, I should talk about it, but I never would. And when you're like, the the one thing you said is we have to at the end, you were adamant about at the end, it must have a positive highlight. We have to highlight a new story. And to me, that, that blew my mind because like I said, I was, I'm always, I'm always one person who's looking for. To, to to raise stuff up and I never thought to use my platform to do exactly what we're doing now. <laughs> and so many people don't and like I mean it's fair enough because like some again it's it's instilled in everybody that your voice is meaningless, it's no loud enough, what does it matter? So you kinda just plod along, said but again it's another aspect of if we can make this something that shows that if you just use your voice in the right way, mm-hmm. it can be heard and worth it. Um, and that's why we keep on reiterating, if you're listening and you have an opinion on it, you have a thought on it, you have a story that you want to raise, you have an, a, an opinion or a topic that you think we should discuss, let us know because we are always... I mean, I, I, every, before every episode, I keep on telling you about how Health Phoenix will comment on the YouTube videos. Yeah, and she'll awesome share right opinions, she'll, she'll share ideas and things that she thinks would improve. Like, 
her experience within the podcast. And mm-hmm. that's what we want, is we want people to engage, not just turn around. Like, you don't have to just turn around and say, oh, I agree with your right. opinion on this. Like, challenges if you want to, like, give us another... To- it doesn't even have to be a topic within that we've talked about. If there's another topic that you think you would like us to kind of shed our opinions on, let us know. We might not talk about it immediately because, like, as we've said before, we like to be able to get informed first. So if it's a topic we've never discussed or right. even thought about, we'd like time to be able to kind of yeah, look at all the facts. Talk about, we don't want to talk on our ass about it. Yeah, no, exactly. Because every point that someone makes, again, as we talked about in here, we want you to feel heard and understood. Right. And we want to be able to give you the best, the best that we can in any topic or subject, because if we're talking half-assed, that isn't putting out the message that we want and that people need to be more informed. So if it's a topic we don't know, we want to learn the topic. Even if we don't discuss it on the podcast, I'm still always wanting to learn new things and new opinions and new perspectives of different topics that I might not have had before. Right. And it's the same with the actual podcast itself. Is if you, if you have any ideas or thoughts on how you feel as if things could be improved or anything like that, just share everything with us through Twitter, through the the like the website has a contact page now. Um, there's a lot of different things that you can get to us now where we can listen and concoct our own. Our own thoughts and opinions on it. Yeah. So then we can work together towards a better future. That being said, Chris, how how and where do they get a hold of us? Well, me, you can get me on Twitter at ChrisC90. Same with YouTube at ChrisC90. You can find all the episodes apart from 10 that we couldn't get up because. Yeah, that was a shit show. For some reason, Twitch wanted to make it a 50,000 trillion gigabyte file yeah, that, that we was couldn't the weirdest do anything thing. with. Um, but get us on there. Uh, if the website is now in the YouTube descriptions and the, all the other podcast platform descriptions, get us there. Right over there. It's a, a I go straight to our email to let us know. It's right there, yep. right, right, right in there, right up fucking there, exactly. Yeah. So and, yeah, the website. And just get in touch. Yep. The website www.drunk-tank. Dot com. You can get at Twitter mm-hmm. at C, Chrissy C ninety. Get on his YouTube now. He is more diligent in uploading the the video version of a podcast of the podcast on his channel because I just I just fucking been so overwhelmed. I haven't had a chance to sit down and do it, but I'm going to try and get them exporting again on a regular basis. I've just been crazy. But with me, you can get at me at Twitter at Docs Ryan on Instagram at Docs Ryan on Twitch at Docs Ryan because my branding. It's consistent, baby. And it goes without saying, this show, we do it because we want to do it, because we want to talk, we want to bullshit, we want to share opinions. Yep. But it goes a lot more if you share your opinion with us, too. So feel free yeah. to feel free to reach out in any way, manner you can, and we will, in, in the times that we have allotted, we'll reach back out. We'll try and get to you. And if it's a topic that you're passionate about, we'll research it. And maybe it'll show up on the podcast. Or maybe Chris and I will just talk to you via DMs. So, yeah. that being said, I think you know what time it is, Chris. 
Say goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for joining in. Yep. We'll see you next week. Yep. Bye-bye.